Hey everyone, welcome to Charm City Music Cast number 14. Today's podcast, we will have the band A Year Too Late, who is actually playing a show at Fishhead on December 15th. And why is that show special? It's because it's a Toys for Tots holiday benefit concert. That's right, December 15th at Fishhead Cantina. For $10, you can come see Bootleggers and Baptists, Old Bay Thrashers, A Year Too Late, The Stifled, and Snow Villain. Of course, this being a charity concert, we do ask that you do bring a toy for a kid, a child, to help make their Christmas. It is the holidays, and right about now, you're probably getting to the holiday spirit. And let's share that and give a needy kid a good Christmas. For right now, though, go ahead and enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family. And go ahead and listen to a year too late interview in preparation for the Toys for Tots concert on December 15th at Bishop Quintina. special show announcement, a benefit show announcement that we are going to make on this podcast today. 
But before we get started, I'm going to allow everybody who's here to introduce themselves. And sitting to my left is... Hey, I'm Terry McGill. I'm the lead singer, guitarist, uh, harmonica player for Bootleggers and Baptists. Uh, I play harmonica with a bunch of other bands. I play with Old Eastern, uh, The Streams, New Project, Church, uh, probably some others I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah, Poison Orchid. I just started playing with them. I like that uh, name, Poison, Poison Orchid. I know. They always get it wrong, though. Uh, everyone's like, oh, we love your band, Poison Orchard. <laughs> they do the, the same thing with Bootleggers and Baptists. They're like, oh, the Bamditos and, and, and Banquets. We love you. Poison remember, Orchard. Remember MPA? What was it they did? At the uh, What was it? When we played... Uh, oh, yeah, they, they screwed it up. Yeah. They, they combined all the band names together. They were like, one band is called the Bootleggers, and the other one's Bootleggers, Baptists, and the Streams. And the bat and the bootleggers. <laughs> I've got to say, Poison Orchard would be a very good band name that, too. That, I know, kind of does. I'm lobbying to just go with the flow, kind of just like with the kung fu of it. Just go go with it. If that's what everyone wants to say, that's what it should be. <laughs> you can confuse the hell out of people. Absolutely, <laughs> especially the band. You got to when you meet somebody twice and they say, "Okay, so Poison Orchid." You got you got to correct them. And be like, it's "Poison Orchard now." Yeah, and then yeah. the next time you see them, and they're like, "Oh, Poison Orchard." You guys, are, no, we changed oh. it back. Yeah, we played play a show. It was like Jimmy from uh, Jimmy Shakespeare hosted. You're like, he got it wrong. You're like, like, what day is it? We're, we're going to start messing with it from now on. Now, next time we see him, we'll be like, "No, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's Poison Apple." <laughs> poison oh my gosh. Apple. That's a lot of that. That you could dude, I would mess with people left and right. It's not good for uh, the band, and you know, like uh, as far as getting the, the name out there. Notes, so every time, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a real experiment from here. What on you out. do is you, you take songs that everyone knows, and and you create whole new songs out of them. So you're like, you know, this is this is, you know, my life, and then it has completely different lyrics and a completely different guitar riff, and they're like, what the hell? That's not the song I heard or at the last like show. Are you like bare naked ladies as a ska? You know. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds very easy to me. Actually. He's like, is anybody aware that he's playing the guitar backwards? Like, this is freaking experimental. Yeah, now look, left-handed. It's not a handicap. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say, excellent job on that harmonica at Rum's Giving last night. That was awesome. Yes, Rum's Giving. Yes, we. <laughs> yes. I, I, surprisingly, I remember it. Not many people probably do, but that's why we're gonna have video for it. All right. Sitting to the left of him is. Hi, I'm Nick Ellison. I'm the rhythm guitar player, booker, and band manager of the Streams. I also uh, help with Baltimore Sound Management. I'm an agent for uh, Baltimore Sound Management um, and the creator of what we are going to be announcing today, which is uh, we're going to have a Toys for Tots benefit. And the Toys for Tots benefit is held on December 15th with Bootleggers and Baptists, Old Bay Thrashers, a year too late. Who's sitting next to me? The Stifled and Woo! Snow Villains out of P uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, the greatest thing about this is uh, what I'm going to be giving out to the public. Uh, we're it's really trying to get people to come and do seasonal inspired dressing, which means basically like it's Christmas time, or if there's Hanukkah dresses, or I think Kwanzaa's around there, whatever, whatever the season may be. I mean, you can dress as the Grinch, or you can dress as the Scrooge, or you can dress uh, however you want, as long as, long as it's seasonal inspired. Uh, males will receive fifty dollars, female fifty dollars. Uh, so two different things there. Uh, it'll be a panel of judges for that. Um, then the first hundred people that walk through the door, you're going to be given a raffle ticket for free just for coming to the show. Um, 
as long as you have either a purchased a ticket from the band itself not from the venue so you need to purchase your ticket through the bands to be able to get uh, a free raffle ticket which if you win this you get two free sh tickets to any show i mean we have puddle and mud we have it doesn't uh, any national any local show it doesn't matter what show it is you get two free tickets um to whatever show you want uh, as well as I'm going to be building a raffle, which will have a $5 uh, raffle ticket, and all that money gets uh, donated to the Toys for Tots Foundation. Uh, just give kids a better, you know, white Christmas type of experience. And, but what bands do you play in? Me, I play in The Streams, uh, which is uh, a cover original band. We've played with, like, Puddle of Mud, Blackfoot, uh, Uncle Cracker, uh a good amount of local bands uh, from Violence and Vanity, Imbue, uh, Bootleggers and Baptists. Uh, I can go on, but I mean, it's we've been around for about two years. All right, so. and and December fifteenth is this toy for Toys for Tots. December fifteenth is the Toys for Tots, uh, which I'll have you know even Marines representing the Toys for Tots, dressed in dress blues, and it's it's it means a lot to me because I grew up in uh, not you know, the greatest life. My father provided what he could for me, but uh, foundations like Toys for Tots uh, helped me growing up as a kid to actually have a white Christmas. And if it wasn't for foundations like this, uh, my Christmas would have been next to nothing. So right. knowing, you know, how those families are, it means a lot to me, which is biggest reason why, I, like, one of my first benefit shows I wanted to do with Fishhead Cantina uh, was Toys for Tots because around Christmas time, every you know, every kid in my in my, it doesn't matter what religion you are, it doesn't matter who you are. I feel like you should have that Christmas. This right. should be special for you. So indefinitely, I that's mean, why this is so important to me. There's definitely like I, I know at Christmas time, some Facebook like friends I can see on the timeline like their kids were opening presents on that morning. I'm like, oh, that, you know, that must have been a rough year, and it. it it's important because, number one, the kid doesn't understand. And no. the, the stress that the parent, and most of the time, let's be honest, it's yeah. a single parent, the stress that the parent's under is it's just so overwhelming. And to be able to have a benefit show like this where, number one, that parent gets the stress relieved off of them, and number yeah. two, Christmas morning, those kids are able to come down yeah. and have a good time. I mean, some of these kids, they have parents who lost their lives, you know, overseas right. and stuff. And, you know, you, now you have a single parent. And the military, the government does provide, you know, a good amount of stuff. But um, the hardest things for some of those parents, some of those kids during these stressful times, is sometimes they're struggling. Right. And that's the most important thing to me is, you know, make sure these you know kids are more focused on, hey, I got this awesome gift or whatever, than right. being focused on what's going on around that. And that's the spirit of volunteerism. So basically the community is coming together yeah. and, and you're putting on this show and you're bringing good bands in, good music, good ticket prices. You're putting raffles on, uh, contests, stuff like that to go ahead and bring people in yeah. so that these kids in the morning when they wake up, they don't have like five presents and then they find out Johnny next door got a PlayStation 4 and, you know, all this cool yeah. shit and just yeah. like, well, why didn't Santa love me? Or, right. you know, why... Exactly, so, and that's not, important. and that's not what I want, you know. And I, and not the reason why the the the, the benefit's important, but everyone that's you know doing this benefit uh, from the bands to people that are going to come, it means the world to me. So right. 
I wish I could give the world to the people that are going to be, you know, coming to this, involving in this. So that's why I wanted to do stuff that's not just cool for the audience, that's just cool for the bands, but cool for right. everyone around. And that was, you know, what I wanted to create out of this. Now, back to the ticket sales, okay? There's, there's, do the, the bands have Facebook pages set up for the event? Yeah, Evbright can... is going to, um, Evbright will have codes, but my biggest thing is the bands kind of, they'll have their own. Okay. Thing in a way, but um, so if you want to go to this show and you you really like one of the bands right. on 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 the set list on the podcast as well, yeah, yeah. you need to because there's there's going to be more bands there than what right. we have on the podcast, right. but you need to you know PM somebody in the band, PM the band's exactly. Facebook page, yeah, and just say hey look, I want to get a ticket because there's Vimo, there's PayPal, right? I'm sure you know. You guys live a ways away, don't you? Yeah. You know, I'm sure he'll have some tickets where he can he can sell them to people up here, and you know the money goes towards you guys. But that's exactly. you know that's that's awesome. Yeah. So get in touch with the bands, or if if you don't know any of the bands, where can they get the tickets? Just on the site from Evan Bright. You can click on uh, the Ev Bright's uh, link. Uh, there's going to be codes uh, should be divvied out this week, but you can click on the individual bands page it's on the the about section for the okay. facebook click on it and and messages bands directly um to get tickets for it perfect yeah or you can also just come to the door you can there's still door so right. if you don't get a ticket beforehand because holiday season is chaotic right so you don't always know where you'll be um that's the most important part that i did this 10 days before christmas so right. it's not so chaotic um but you can go to the door as well, and you know bands will get as you walk through. You can say you're here for that band, and right. you can do it that way as well. Now, before we move on to a year too late, I want to talk about the process of how you got hooked up with Toys for Tots, where the idea to do this came from, and I want people to know how much work goes into an event like this. Because here's the thing, like Rum's Giving last night, or the Toys for Tots, any any events you do down at Fishhead, people show up, they listen to the music, they have a good time, and they go home. But they don't necessarily understand the work that goes into putting on something like that. And when you're doing something like this and working with someone like Toys for Tots, yeah, there's a lot more involved. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, well, originally, um, the how it all started was I was talking to Zach from Old Bay Thrashers, who's on the the list, and uh, I was trying to get him for a show. I think it was back October, maybe. Um, and he said, you know, he was telling me about a schedule, but he was like, hey, I really want to do uh, a benefit show. Um, we can do Toys for Tots or whatever. And I was like, Toys for Tots hits me home. Um, as a Marine Corps vet, you know, i done stuff with them in the past, and that hit home immediately. So that was my first thing. It was like, all right, how am I going to get in touch with Toys for Tots? Uh, Toys for Tots. So I went to... Um, and you started... Looking and looking into this and working on it, what a month and a half, two months ago, right? Uh, early October, maybe. Yeah, I want to say it was either the beginning of October or the end of September. Yeah, the it first was around time that you said time. Something to me yeah. about it. Um, and so I originally started building it then. I went to uh, the site for Toys for Tots. I saw there was an email list and uh, playing in cover bands and playing in bands. The easiest way is just to go straight to the the source. Right. Um, so I went to the recruiter station in Towson, uh, where I was recruited when I went in the Marine Corps, uh, met, uh, Gunnery Center Prado, 
uh, and Gunnery, Gunnery Sergeant Predu came from uh, Salisbury, where they did a lot of stuff down there for it. And when I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I want to do a Toys for Tots. Just, you know, you want right. me for a benefit, dude, just let me know. So I, you know, I told him what I was, you know, planning on doing. Hadn't really had everything together yet. Nick was like, I'm bringing in the Marines for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Went to some shit done. Get the Marines. Um, <laughs> sorry, Chris. <laughs> we'll get to that. That's, um, a, that's okay, man. We take you where you got to go, right? Exactly. Uh-oh. We're going to have yeah. a little rivalry uh, on the podcast. Yeah. All military <laughs> are appreciated. That was a joke. Um, but shut up. <laughs> so I went to him and he was about it. Uh, he just told me, you know, tell, tell him what day, what time. And, uh, he was like, you want me to bring Marines? You want me to not bring Marines? Whatever. I was like, yeah. I was like, I would love you to come. He's like, all right, cool. I'll be there in my dress blues. And I was like, didn't ask you to dress in dress blues, but sure. Go right the fuck ahead, dude. <laughs> my, I never wanted to wear that. I mean, I love the uniform, but I never really wanted to wear it. Uh, it was a pain in the ass to get together. Um, but, you know, he's, he, he was about it. So I started, you know, I, Zach is Old Bay Thrasher, so I immediately had my genre. Um, started kind of going around the Internet looking at different bands, um, and I came across a year too late. Um, and their song... We're going to edit this real quick. Pause this because I fucking forgot the goddamn name of it. And just so everybody knows, we haven't gotten to them yet, but this is actually a year too late yeah. podcast. Yeah. This is their uh, podcast. <laughs> so Something Real is the first thing I heard. I clicked on their uh, web link, which sent me directly to that song when I was and I was able to, you know, listen to it. And uh, the intro immediately caught me. And it, the most important fact of, of any band, uh, you got to think, like, most people that you're sending your music out – they're going to listen to the first 30 fucking seconds. Right. And if you do not catch their ear within the first 30 seconds, that's what happens. Right. Something real caught me within the first 15 seconds. So That's a good point. Because yeah. when you think about like Spotify, when you're just letting it go and it's playing yeah. random shit, like, really, you give yeah. a song about 30 seconds yeah. and you're like, and, and now. No. So, like, hey, I like this. Yeah, so that song caught me. And so then I started building. So you know, then you have to contact the bands kind of tell them what's going on uh chris and jolene have had wonderful fucking wonderful ideas like some of the greatest ideas came from them um shoot me because i can't exactly remember all of them but basically this the, what they we're were that good them, yeah, yeah what we were given so a, what my were, some of the, yeah, my mind cannot yeah, comprehend the ideas they were from giving the they are beyond shout out from the inspired dresses and stuff for like different like giveaways and how to keep the bands there chris and jolene were like focused on how are we going to keep people there you know to right. see every band not just to see them but to see every band support every band keep people there you know make this really you know something people want to attend well and here's an important point like all the bands you have on this yeah like this isn't going to be the kind of concert where you've got like one good band playing no like you have one two three four five good bands yeah so people you know you come to the show if you're supporting one of the bands that's on the bill you know one of the five stay definitely stay for the rest because you're getting some other good music really good music yeah i mean every band usually has caught me within the first 15 seconds. So right. I, I, I book, especially for something like this, like I want to book the bands that are going to catch my attention, keep me there because 
as soon as the next band comes on, your first song is what's going to keep those people there. So if you're able to grab my attention in the first 15 seconds, then you're going to keep people there. And tickets are only 10 bucks. Yes. They're wow. So you're getting five bands for 10 bucks, and I guess let's see, people people can bring toys, right? Yeah, you're. I really encourage you to bring donations because the Marine right. uh, Gunnery Sergeant Prado uh, is going to be there to collect donations. Uh, you can do checks if you want to, but there's money a, always there's works. A, right? There's an about yeah, but there's an about in the about section of Facebook. There's a way to do that. We I really more so encourage people to want to bring toys. Toys, yes. Um, and then there's a, a list of what you can and can't bring. So basically. They really, you, they really want stuff in box. Like right. they don't really want you know used stuff. Uh, they don't want firearms or anything that represents a firearm or a knife or a bayonet right. or whatever. Bag of glass. Don't bring a Molotov cocktail. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't want to make any more Marines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so for ten dollars, that's actually that's an amazing price for for all five of these bands. And once again, the bands are Bootleggers and Baptists, Old Bay Thrashers, A Year Too Late, The Stifled, and Snow Villains. Snow yeah. Villain. Yeah. Uh, the Stifled. I have you guys heard any of their stuff yet? Mm-hmm. I just did a show with them down at a uh, Metro Gallery. Awesome band, fun guys. I can't wait to get them on a podcast. If you get a chance, go to go to go to my YouTube. Um, and they did, we did a commercial for that show and the part of like their part of the commercial was awesome. <laughs> like they just, they had like a banjo in the background and was like, Hey, we're a stifle. <laughs> it was hilarious. Nobody was expecting it. So that, that's one band you guys are going to love. So, yeah. but so buy some toys. Yeah. So, but you know, when you, you start looking at. The biggest thing about this is like going to get and creating the basket. It's been the one thing has been probably the most pain in the ass of the entire situation. Right. Uh, you go into you know shops, mom and pop shops, corporate shops, and you're like, hey, I want to do something that's going to be- better help kids. And right. some companies that will name nameless kind of go, oh, so cool. What's in it for me? And right. I'm like, you're donating to a cause and helping kids that need a better Christmas. And, and let's clear this and, up right now, yeah. okay? The community is going to support businesses that yeah. support the community. So right. for a business to say, you know, no, we don't want to donate to this, and they haven't donated to anything, that's stupid. Because whatever they donate, they can use as a tax write-off. Yeah, They're going to get their money back at the end of the year. But um, at the same time, a lot of these places have budgets, okay? Right. They're given $300 a month right. to donate to a charity or to right. get back to the community. Right. And they can't, you know, once that fills up and you've got 50 people coming in being like, hey, I need this, and need yeah. this, yeah. it fills up quickly. Um, but the companies that, uh, one of them's not on here is uh, Ryan Fowler's Experience, which is going to be donating uh, gift card picks, stuff like that. What is his? Uh, now, what is his company he's, about? Uh, Ryan Fowler's Experience is, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's not on there. But there's other companies that are also contributing that weren't on there. But um, the uh, the first two that I got signed up are on the flyer, but. The Ryan Fowler is a music shop in Towson. Uh, he's a mom and pop shop. He's uh, literally located right on the corner of like Joppa and was that Perry Parkway? I think that's what oh, I know. Where, I know it. Yeah. Okay. Um, he actually, my entire rig 
uh, from my guitar to my pedal board to my amp, uh, some of my picks, like everything that I use on stage and when I play, and you know, different gigs is from Ryan. Right. Um, Ryan plays a band called Veer that I've played with before. He also plays in Kelly Bell Band. Uh, he's a musician that lo- really looks out for the other musician, and he's right. helped me a lot. Um, got me a Mesa boogie that's like almost two grand for eight hundred bucks. That's how much he looked out for me. Um, well, you're giving him some love here. Yeah. 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 So, Mesa so, right there. Yeah. I want to yeah. get on to it. You're too late, but before yeah. we do. I do think you need to name the other business. Yeah, so Regen is uh, I'm, it's like a video game shop. It's um, a mom-and-pop shop as well. They uh, do everything from original Nintendo to even the Xbox One, selling games for it, the systems for it. Uh, they have uh, the uh, like arcade games and stuff like that. Uh, Regen uh, is still working out some stuff with me for that basket. Um and then Musicland, which is in Bel Air, uh, home of my band, the Streams. Uh, right. Musicland's made hella money off most of my band members. Um, so uh, it's just kind of like, hey, you made shitload of money off of me. What's up? And that's uh, another mom. Let's be but, let's be clear. That's another mom pop shop. Yeah, it's another like, mom and pop shop. The original owner and, actually passed away, and his son's running it. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know you can go there instead of Guitar Center. Yeah, you know, don't yeah, go to the devil. Nothing against nothing against nothing uh, against corporate uh, at all. Yeah, corporate America is great. Yeah. But you got mom and pa shops like yeah. Ryan Fowler's and Musicland. Yeah, that when I say Musicland, people are like, "Well, where's that? What's that?" Right off Bel Air, right? And I'll tell you right now, all. you go into Musicland and they have something the Guitar Center has on sale, or there's a price discrepancy. They'll take care of you. Yeah, they I will mean, take care they of you. have everything that you would be looking for in Guitar Center and their mom and pop shop. And, you know, it's, it's not just important to support local music. It's also support, important to support local businesses. businesses. And then Fishhead Cantina is also creating a basket of sorts um, that we're working out right now. But we have uh, a lot of different food vendors and uh, different people that kind of help. They're going to help along with Are you guys going to put a Christmas tree up and decorate? Yeah, I mean, Christina nice. Warden have been talking about it and uh, the type of decorations and stuff like that. Christina Warden, who uh, works there, she's one of the people that kind of helped put stuff like this together, and she's all about this. So and, people will be in the holiday yeah. spirit. Yeah. So. And there's going to be spirits there to drink. Yeah. All right, so moving on to Nick's left, we have... I am Chris, the lead singer and guitarist of A Year Too Late, and I'm... Actually, from uh, California, and I uh, moved to what the East were you Coast. Thinking, yeah. why would you do that? You know what? It's uh, the opposite. The military brought me out to the East Coast, and uh, it's been uh, pretty awesome. I've been uh, well. Actually, it's a funny story. I joined the Navy, right? So my family was like, "Oh, if you're going to join the military, you need to join it so you're not in the war and all that stuff." So I was <laughs> you need like, to stay safe. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my uncle. Like, uh, as soon as he found out I was like joining the military, he was like, he was pretty pissed off because he was an army vet himself, and uh, he was like, "No, we've got enough people in the family." Was he in Vietnam? Uh, no, he was on his way there. Okay, and, uh, I know a lot of vets that were from the Vietnam era. Like my father. Yeah. Like I was when I got out of high school. He's like, "What are you gonna do?" And you know. I was, I was like, well, I, I might do the military. He's like, no, you're not doing the military. Yeah. And I'm just, like, the vets, they're just, and I think it's because they, they're upset about the way that was handled. Yeah. And they won over, they defended their country, but a lot of times they came back and were treated like shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't treat the troops like shit. Yeah. Put your anger on that fucking politician 
who made hundreds of thousands of dollars to send them to a war that, that yeah. you know? And, um, I mean... So you joined the Navy yeah. because we were fighting in the desert? Well, and then you what? ended up going <laughs> in. It's funny because <laughs> I actually stepped into the Air Force and all that stuff, uh, Air Force recruiter, and I was on my way to becoming an officer and uh, kind of had a, like a little, you know, kind of a collision of ideas with uh, the Air Force recruiter and didn't work out. So I ended up going uh, to this other place right across, the, or it was, it was actually like a building that was right next, like the, all, like all the, the branches were right there. So I went into the other one. And I uh, went into the Marines, and uh, it was too tense. It was yeah. way too fucking tense. And I was like, you know what? I can't yeah. get my hair cut like that. I can't yeah. do it. Because I, I had, I, you know, I, I, I loved my hair, you know? Right. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no way that they got, like, 10% of their hair, like, whatever right. they cut off. Yeah, I was, was bald just... the entire time. I was because yeah. like, they want you to cut your hair every week, and I was like, "Yeah, no, fuck you. I'm just gonna shave my head." Yeah. And it, it was, it, it <laughs> I do was not re- look good with a shave. Head. It was really tense in there, and then like same with the army. You know, they were like pretty like, "Hey, you guys want to? Let's go fight a war. Let's go kill some people." So I was like, "Ah, this is too much." So <laughs> then I went over to the Navy recruiter, and there was this guy like struggling to tie tie his neckerchief, and uh, someone kind of like trying to put their shoes on or shine their shoes. I'm like, you know what? Uh, these guys are struggling. I think I can do this. You know, <laughs> they kind of made it believable. Well, you know, I joined the Navy and I was like, you know what? This, you know, if I'm going to war, I can be on a boat. Yeah, didn't work out that way. I think I have like a total of 20 days, 20-something days on sea. First uh, tour I went to uh, Balad, Iraq, then Bahrain, then Kabul, Afghanistan. So I stay. I was... You know, they took you, there. You, yeah, like, it was, you thought you were there. safe, but yeah. they were like, ah, no, motherfucker, we got you. You know, <laughs> but it was it's it's kind of a life changing kind of I mean, anybody that steps over there is it's it's a life changing experience. You know, you you grow up in right. ways that in not not only in just ways that you thought you never would, but in speeds right. you never thought you would. You gain a, a sense of uh, kind of honor. You 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 sent, you know, a gravitation towards brotherhood, you know. Right. I've had some of the you know being in um navy being individual augmented to like iraq to afghanistan you know these guys you know i'm sorry if i had like an nfl draft of who's going to war with me i'm pretty right. sure the marines are going to be the first, first ones yeah. that, you know it is a whole you know whole different respect you know but you know it, it's one of those things that you kind of like it's I kind of it kind of leaves me speechless as as far as the experience you grow grow right. into. You just got to experience it for yourself. So for people who kind of don't really have a direction where they're going yet, you know, the military it's it'll put you in a it'll put it'll you straighten in a, you, you know, out. straighten yeah, you out definitely. And it'll it, teach it, you good. It helps it helps yeah. a lot of people like yeah. kids that don't make it out of high school or just you know trouble fighting all the time, stealing, maybe dabbling in drugs a little bit. I've seen so many friends. Like, I'm not going to name him. I had a friend in high school who started experimenting with drugs his senior year. And I'll tell you right now, if he had not gone into the military, he'd be having problems right now. He would. And they cleaned him up. He's got a family now. Good job. Just, you know, that straightened his life out. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things the military is good for. I'm very, I'm somebody who's very anti-war. But at the same time, a lot of people who are anti-war... Where are you going? Because I want you here for this. 
All right, here, we're going to pause real quick. My name is Jamie Porter McElroy. I'm the owner of Dirty Bourbon Printing Company here in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland. I make shirts for bands. I was bitter and jaded and tired of paying money for something. It's just incredibly difficult to work around when you're a band and you need to buy 100 shirts. Started printing my own shirts and I thought, you know, maybe I'll just start doing this for other bands too because they've got to be just as miserable as I was. And now I'm a full-fledged printing business. The goal is to give local musicians and touring musicians the means to buy merch so that they can keep being successful as bands. How many times have you gone to a band's EP release show and they don't have a merch setup that looks anything like what they look like on stage? You know, being cohesive in the vision from merch to the live set to offstage work, any of that stuff, like I'm here to help you with that. I go above and beyond to help my bands out. I wrap their shirts before I send them out to shows, make sure the print looks good on the shirts, and make sure everything is meticulously planned out for these bands, making sure that they can sell their merch just as well as maybe I could sell their merch. All the time I see bands, they do an EP release show, an album release show, they look awesome on stage, they pay for the lighting, they pay for the sound, they pay for, you know, the, the equipment, whatever the means are, and then you go to their merch table and it's just a shirt and a CDs like thrown on a table. I want local musicians to have what regional and touring musicians have, and I want touring musicians to have what national bands have. My goal is to help bands. So the cool thing about Dirty Bourbon is we have no minimums. And what that means for bands is you can have a, a greater variety of shirts at your merch table without spending a great amount of money on it. You can test out your shirts to different markets of people and see what's selling in what city or what town, whatever the case may be. If you're trying to take this seriously and go to the next level, let's talk about how we can make your merch table better. Okay, so but, uh, as far as like anti-war, a lot of people who are anti-war take that, that anger and that hate and they push it down onto the troops. And they're yeah. like, you know, troops are responsible for this. I don't, I don't support war. Uh, I don't support violence. No, we're not. Yeah, it's, it's not the troops. The troops I, sign I, I, up. I literally went in for three reasons. One, uh, I didn't want to pay for college. Uh, two, uh, health care started becoming a big question back then. The way healthcare is now, <laughs> and that was before Obamacare. That's back in 2007. It really started becoming a big question. And my dad pays attention to news and shit. My dad's like, "You need to figure out what you're gonna do with your uh, medical and all this other and da 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 Like, I'm like, "Okay, cool." And I went in the Marine Corps thing, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you'd be set for life after you do four years." And I was like, "Okay, cool." That keeps my dad shutting the fuck up. Yeah, Nick went home. Uh, and was like, "Dad, I fixed the medical <laughs> thing." Uh, uh, and then <laughs> I actually went in as a buddy system, and then like, oh really? Yeah, I went in with the buddy, buddy system, and then all of a sudden that buddy, went, yeah, so you know, yeah. <laughs> They're like, is like, that your friend? Is that, like, that's him? We're going to put him on the other side of the world. No, he didn't even go in the military. Was I was like, what the hell? You know, so, but you know what? It was one of the most life-changing things ever, you know, because, you know, you get to experience not only just, you know, the military as itself, because everybody's got a, a, a stigma of like, oh, did you kill anybody? And that's one of the most annoying Yeah, it's people. the most annoying yeah, question. It's, uh, yeah. Like, they're like, what do you, you know, how do you feel about killing? I'm like, okay. All right, so if you walk down a Baltimore dark alley, let's just say uh, I throw you in Cherry Hill uh, in the middle of the night, and you're walking down there, and I give you a gun. Okay, someone's about to shoot at you. What are you going to do? There you go. That's, like, the easiest way I put it. But yeah. it's not all MOSs don't do that. Yeah, it's, like, I mean, a, it's like, like a whole community inside of itself, you know? And not only that, 
you know, you you gain some friendships that are like for life, different, and yeah. and they're and they're deeper than than you've ever expected growing up. You know, you think you know, oh, this is my bestie from high school, or this is my bestie from all this stuff. You know, yeah, they they are, but you know. Usually, when you think of bestie in the military, it's usually the guy right there in the hole with you, right next yeah. to you, you know, and you may not even know where he's from. Yeah, you know? and, and, and that's a whole different experience, right there. It 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 just goes to show you that there's more levels of friendship, more levels of brotherhood, sisterhood, everything. You know, well, and it, you've got to have that camaraderie because yeah. either it's the first or the second day of boot camp, you're like, what the fuck did i sign myself up for what oh, yeah. did i fucking do it's like being a musician this is the best way i can put it it seriously is it's like being a musician if you look at being a musician there are so many different types of people bands uh ethnicity whatever like it doesn't matter like in music world it shouldn't and it doesn't matter in the military it was the same way right. i served with probably one of the nicest people that i ever met that loved you know life and wanted to like just he was there because his family grew like raised him in it and he was gay and right. he would have took his life before I, he let my life be taken right and he was like my best buddy growing through going through the military uh i served with a musician who lives in california now and every so often he'll be like hey man when you're gonna bring your band out to california i'll house you and like that's the way like just like the military is the same way the music is like you you meet people in music from different everything right. and you just meet them as a person you want you like that person because of how they are right i mean and that's the same way the military is like they play you can blame it on the troops all you want but you really should you know listen to guns and fucking roses right <laughs> i don't know and, man axel was an asshole no but no, you know what song i'm talking about right well, and that's feed the, the rich while they bury the poor you know my you whole know? point there with the with the military and anti-war like don't hold the troops accountable yeah. the troops the troops whatever reason doing they're, in it, told, they're dude, doing it so, right yeah. it's the people that are sending them out there and you know what that's not pointing a finger at the troops. You need to take some self-ownership and point a finger at yourself and saying, what am I doing if I support or I respect the troops or I care about these people as human beings? Yeah. Why am I letting these people put sons, daughters, mothers, fathers in these bad situations to line their bank pockets? Yep, and you can always vote. And I will say, you know, the troops, when they're over there, I have a lot of friends who've been in the military. Just your presence in some of those areas are keeping women, children from being raped, like the Taliban. They will basically go shake down a family and be like, hey, pay us this or give us this percentage of your crops or I'm going to come rape your wife. And the fact that the troops are just there, Taliban can't do that. Yeah. So let's move on to some brighter things. Yeah, yeah. for love we have, we have one God, more, We have one more guest <laughs> on the podcast. She has a sore throat, so she may not talk too much, but you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jolene Newberger. I'm the manager for A Year Too Late. She is. She's pretty awesome. She'll call you at 8 o'clock in the damn morning. <laughs> get up. Get up. Yeah, she's been pretty awesome. How many tickets did you sell today, Nick? Huh? <laughs> Where's Fortin Pub? Where do I do this podcast? I could have called at 6 when I actually woke up. Thank you. You should have. Because I think have. I went to bed about two hours prior to that. <laughs> yeah. He was in the military. He can take it. You call him whenever you want. All right. No. 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 <laughs> But yeah, it is Veterans Day, so happy Veterans Day, right? Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Veterans Day. Yeah, so wow, well, and it, it made it home, you know. 
Very interesting that this podcast go. has fallen on Veterans Day. Yeah, the, the conversation. Like I didn't, I didn't mean to bring all that up just for the fact that it was so Veterans Jolene, Day. It just happened. I'm gonna cut him off because I'm not going back into that. <laughs> <laughs> the love of God. I mean, ask me in private if you want to know anything else. Um, but Jolene, so you managed band, right? Yes. So, just run me through what exactly. Yeah, what does it mean to manage the band? Even though I I know, I know personally, (laughs) but go ahead. She's like, um, um. He doesn't pay me enough to answer that question. It's funny, we had a funny (laughs) conversation about the word um earlier. (laughs) So, so, (laughs) there she goes. (laughs) All all I'm the pause goes, As the manager, I set all of the schedules um, when they want shows I go out to different venues and I talk to promoters um, and I try to get different opportunities for them um, I talk to a lot of other bands also trying to network and get other events going um, the show on the 17th uh, next week that show is actually with a few other bands and I'm the one kind of pulling everything together setting everything up for What's the, the event? show you can so for those of you that don't know um we got a, we actually got our comeback show we were actually on a hiatus which we can question me about later on but um we're coming out of our hiatus we got a new lineup and uh, we're gonna be playing at green door tavern out in park hall maryland um we love hole in the wall bars can so that's november 17th park hall, is? park hall is actually uh probably about an hour and a half from here or how yeah about that. two hours about, south of here. yeah okay so it's like what like you go not towards virginia but you go towards more of like the southern maryland yeah southern about maryland. that area okay. yeah that is that a ticketed store? show no it's just no. a cover it's just five dollars a cover and it's uh 21 and up and once again that is november 17th it is the SOMD Warped Bar. Evening. Yeah, so... Like the Warped Tour type of thing. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm a huge fan of the Warped Tour. Everybody that knows me knows uh, that I'm a huge fan of Yellow Card, and Yellow Card's been a huge freaking influence on the Warped Tour. Same with Four Years Strong, and, you know, you can name all kinds of other bands in there. Mayday Parade, you know, going on. And uh, it kind of hit at home when Warp Tour ended. I was yeah. like, no, why? Why? Like, yeah, why? why? Did they ever on? come out with why? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. Like, as soon as the, uh, that's one of the biggest regrets is that I did not get to see them on their last, uh, their last uh, farewell, farewell tour. Um, I think the reason I wasn't so pumped to go is because kind of Yellow Card wasn't going to be there. Right. So uh, everybody that knows me, pff, hardcore Yellow Card fan. So. Um, when they weren't going to be there, it's kind of like, nah, kind of like, kind of took the, the, I don't know, kind of motivation to go. But then like, I saw the lineup and I was like, oh my God, like there was like bands that were like 10 years, 15 years ago that were playing on this. They were coming back, you know, real big fish, right. less than Jake, you know, all these ska bands and all that stuff coming back. And I was like, wow, like it was kind of cool to see that resurgence yeah. though. Yeah. Like that resurgence. was on the last van warp tour. Really and I think the, the nostalgic of, um, just being in, in, in the crowd of all that, uh, of, you know, all those bands was pretty awesome. Um, 
but it's one of those eras that you know unfortunately had to end and so what i did is i kind of like i'm not, i'm gonna say it like bluntly i kind of like ripped off because <laughs> <laughs> i i i'm i'm in denial i don't want warp tour to Dude, end. do it they're not using so, it so take they're it. not gonna use it's it okay. I I like, listen let me tell you right <laughs> now the guy who runs kevin lehman or lyman um, the reason why he stopped doing it was dwindling ticket sales of smaller pool of potential bands and, quote, to be honest, I'm just tired, unquote. So if he's too tired to do that, he's not going to lift a fucking yeah. finger, like, you know, on you. Yeah, we say that now, and then once we get, like, warped bar, we're like, it's kind of one of the first promotional things that a year too late has started. As we, and we kind of want to grow it bigger, but we kind of want to stay kind of in the bar area. So that's why we kind of left it at warped bar. And uh, it's our first full promotional show, um, and we we couldn't have had a better coming out of our hiatus kind of thing right. with using Warped Bar, and um, it kind of you know it gears towards people who want to listen to pop punk, punk ska, etc. You know, it's all about you know getting up there, getting a guitar, and just freaking singing your heart out. That's pretty much right. what it. Comes and you down basically to. you organized this event. Yes. Okay, so you got Lost Sanity and Deadbeat Holiday. Dead band. Yeah, they're, they're fucking great. amazing yeah. band. Lost Sanity or Lost Sanity has been like kind of like you know I, I've always wanted to do a show with them and uh, we can never line up dates and all that stuff. But the best way to put it and and usually I I I'm pretty sure that most uh, musicians won't argue this point, but they kind of give like a little college themed thirty seconds to Marsville. And then, oh, wow. um, yeah, it, it, they're pretty. Coincidentally, uh, if, 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 I tried to book, uh, but they were unfortunately, unfortunately, were available. But like Los Angeles, David, I tried to put on December. Yeah, Oak. they're two great, you know, bands. That the Los Sanity, like, um, love what they do with their sound. It's it's right. pretty neat, and um, it was pretty awesome. And I'm kind of honored to have them part of this show, and one of our local favorites, and uh, one of our greatest friends, uh, Rob Wood. And um, Deadbeat Holiday, they resemble early Green Day and Blink-182. Um, I couldn't ask for, you know, a better, you know, duo for this show right here. And we're just going all punk or whatever, pop-punk alternative. We're just going to be in that genre right there. But the the Warped Bar is hopefully something we could start and kind right. of grows from there. Because I, I, I've been taking notes from every other promoter here and there. You know, Kevin Hawk got Baltimore down like right. there's no tomorrow. And yeah. Transcendence Events, we were so honored to play our first show with them. Um, we had a hiccup right there where we started our set a little too late. Um, I was kind of like freaking, you know, off in La La Land. But for but what, you see, that's we, a good learning experience yeah. for you. For when you've got you've got a build like he has coming up, where you have five bands, you got to keep that shit going. Yeah. And you know, with me running shows, I did a show a few weeks ago, and we got a little like somebody's amp one out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, damn. Fuck. And then they Poor wanted to, guy. you know, play a little bit Girl. longer. One of the bands, other bands was being cool, was like, yeah, they can have some VAR time. Well, then that band got on stage and they were like, oh, we're going to keep playing. So those times, they're important, especially yeah. when and you've got a bar and audio that's like, we're shutting shit off at midnight. Yeah. Like, they don't fucking care. And it was and it was definitely yep. a, a growing experience and all that stuff. You know, just being, you know, in a metropolitan and just being right in the smack dab in the middle of everything and all that stuff. Um, but it was like, it was a, it was a great experience because we got to release a couple new songs and that, and, uh, a couple covers here and there, but, um, can I pause you? Covers? Yeah, what covers do you do? 
So, well, real quick, before we get into that, we've got some other band members that aren't here. Can you? Yeah, the other band members that decided they wanted to be divas today. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to keep ripping on them. <laughs> they're cutting the grass or yeah, washing the hair, whatever. One of them, yeah. the one that was supposed to be here, apparently his landlord didn't come today. So, um, I'm just going to keep ripping on him. But he's one of the oldest. Uh, and our, one of our uh, founding members because okay. uh, we actually had, before we were a year too late, we were actually called Only One, okay. which was a whole different lineup and all that. Um, I was actually just the guitarist, the rhythm guitarist, and right. we had another person as a lead guitarist and another per, uh, female uh, singer. And we were kind of going down the route of like, let's hit up bars, let's try to get those three to four hour right. shows and all that stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately... Um, people's you know paths were different no disrespect to any cover bands or anything like that but at you the looked end at of the Nick night, when you said that you know <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you I do original too but you kind like, of give them that side eye like well, i feel like i gotta give everybody eye contact fine. i'm always talking you know they're like i'm always talking uh, 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 okay. you know make sure so, you make well, eye contact no, what were you saying Go so ahead. you know there's you know there's a there's there's i feel that every musician's going to reach a fork in the road and when they reach that fork in the road there's going to be it, it's going to be one of your your all your energy is going to be focused on either one of these uh paths you can either go the path of becoming a very great cover band such as me first in the gimme gimme's you know they never never you know yeah yeah you know or you can go down the route of like here this is me right kind of thing you know because when it comes down to it, I made a decision and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do covers anymore. You know, I, I want somebody to sing back my lyrics. Right. And it was just something as subtle as that started this whole freaking fire. And it, it came out, it, it, it ended with Rhetoric, which was the album that we'd put out. And um, pretty much it was just, I had some of the greatest guys when we first started Rhetoric because our band is we've just like i said we've just come out of a hiatus and i mean we'll go more into the whole ins and outs of the band but like i had a when we first started rhetoric we had a good set of uh, you know individuals in the band and um they gave me a canvas to be able to paint a story right using my vocals using my storylines everything that i could possibly use and it was one of the greatest experiences ever you know and then to have people sing that back to me as I just dipped out, you know, and I didn't even mean for it to happen. Like, and you write the lyrics as well. Yes, okay. I, I yeah. Um, pretty much as far as the whole album co comes, or as it comes, I write every single part as far as that. Um, the only part I did not write was the dynamics of the drumming. Right. Um, for our first album, we had one of, I think, one of the greatest drummers ever, um, Gabe Hurley. And, um, unfortunately he Gabe had, a, Hurley? Yeah, um, he had a step down. Uh, we had, uh, what was it? Um, different directions and all that stuff. And it was one of the most unfortunate events. Um, that dude was my dude and all that, you know, but, uh, when we took the loss of him, we had to immediately take a hiatus and all that stuff. So, right. yeah, it was just one of those, like, I always told him like, you're the heartbeat of this man, you know? Right. And to lose your heartbeat right there, you got to do an ultimate reset as far as that. But yeah. it was, but Gabe Hurley, you know, he definitely brought a lot to it. And riding with him was probably one of the most memorable experiences that I can ever have as a musician. Right. Just because he brought so much to the table. Because this, when you look at our band, you're, 
the first the first band which had Tyler Johnson as our lead guitarist and Lane didn't even come in till later as a backup vocalist. It was Tyler Johnson, myself as a rhythm guitarist and the vocalist. Cliff was the only remaining member of only one. They flopped over to a year too late. And then we brought in Gabe Hurley. Right. Um, and that really stuck. It melded, you know, pretty awesomely. Tyler Johnson coming from metalcore. There was some um, foreshadowing with yeah. the old band's name. Only one came with you yeah. to a year too late. It's funny you say that because uh, we'll get into the whole story of how a year too late ended up. But, like, you know, when we – well, actually, when we first started, it was – I had um, a female singer, Autumn uh, Robinson, and her son, Justin. I know that name, too. And uh, Autumn was, I mean, vocalist. I mean, she can put down – anything you put in front of her she was amazing uh her son an upcoming uh, if he's not out doing band stuff i mean this dude is phenomenal right as a lead guitarist but we took the path of we no longer wanted to do covers we wanted to take the route like my biggest thing was like i want to hit baltimore soundstage because i saw you know right. four year strong play there and i was like i want to do this i really want to do this right and, you know and i was like you know what like this is my you know this is my aspirations for this band. Unfortunately, it divided the band in half. I took the route of originality. Why? What was? What was? Because there's money in covers, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that is true. There's money. In I'll covers. tell you. I'll tell you the formula uh, real quick. It's five seconds. But basically, like what the streams do. Like we when we were mostly when we were still doing you know original strong. We were still doing originals like every other couple months or whatever. Like we've kind of step back for a little while because we're regrouping but um like puddle of mud for instance uh, i told told jo- uh, jolene a minute ago i was like you know when we did puddle of mud we sold 97 and the reason why was because when we did cover acts like say if we played fell's point i hope craig Nacho doesn't listen he's gonna get pissed off at me but um <laughs> so we would play like a little bit of uh like we were open up for puddle mud so we play a little bit of uh she hates me yeah and people be like oh my god and then we would stop and be like yeah so for us of that song come get these tickets and <laughs> right. and that's how we were able to sell so well day. yeah and you know not only are we making money to play fish you know fucking fell's point but we're making money to you know for selling tickets yeah. and stuff like that. And that was, you know, the, the why that formula worked so well. But, I mean, I get, like, me playing in a cover band right now, like, there is times where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go play Fowl's Point. I'm going to play fucking, you know, whatever Leonard Skinner, Led Zeppelin song, whatever the hell this crowd wants to yeah. listen to. Okay, we'll play Alice in Chains, whatever the fuck. Uh, you know, it's good steady money. It's good. You know, when you have kids, you have bills, it's good steady money. But... There's sometimes in my own body where I'm like, I will literally make no money just to go play a fucking original show, and I yeah. can show my true colors. So right. I get, you and know, it was yeah. one of those things like, as only one was, we were growing fast because what we did was we took pop punk songs and we dialed them back and played acoustic, and then you have old people coming up and they're like, that was a beautiful song. I'm like, oh yeah, you just bumped your head to Green Day, you just bumped your head to Yellow Card. Blink-182, right. you know, we're playing at wineries, you know, we're playing at places that are primarily targeted to, you know, senior places, and they're loving it, right. you know? And um, for us to turn that around and all that, you know, it, w- it was kind of an eye-opener 
to be like, you know what, if we can do that, imagine what we can do with original music, you know, taking it in a different direction. Yes, you know, and the road of original music is harsh. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's not for the faint of heart, right. you know. And there's days that you're you're up at night, you're not, you're thinking to yourself, you know, do I really want to do this? Or and, and you know what? I don't you know. think people realize that who might actually, like, be interested in music yeah. or take for granted, like, the recording. Like, one song. I would challenge anybody who listens to this podcast, come up with a 30-second song. Yeah. A 30-second song. It doesn't have to be 30. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Make it sound good and see if you can do it. And then see if you can record it and have it come out and sound good. And if somebody tries to do that, unless they're in a band, they're not going to know what it takes yeah. to actually put together just one song, let alone an EP, and then have to go out and perform it. Because a lot of times, and I'm, everyone at this table knows, you go into a recording studio, you can't sing the same way you do live. Yeah. If you do, you're going to be in there for five A very, weeks. very long time. That's a, And... You know what? It's funny because Nick was like, I need uh, new songs. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, we got the instrumentals down and all that stuff. We're going to give this a shot. So, uh, Well, one of you told me that you guys were doing vocals on new stuff. And I was like, I want the new stuff. Come on now. So we were kind (laughs) of trying to rush. Um, One of the songs that, like, it really hits hard to me, um, which was on Rhetoric, was the very last song. kind of a tribute to yellow card on the lights and sounds record they start with an intro which is orchestral and at the very end of the song they played that song and then they end in the way that the beginning of the orchestral song started so my way because i mean it kind of gets full circle yeah so like i was kind of like you know what is my tribute and thank you because yellow card called it you know quits about you know 2016 or 2017 you know and uh, it was it was really like that took a lot out of me right there. And I was like, you know, Ryan Key, you know, great songwriter. Now he's doing his own solo stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, I, everybody gets on to me like, you have a very weird infatuation with, like, Yellow Card. I'm like, look. Who you gives know, a fuck? They inspire exactly, you. You know, you know, Ocean Avenue, yes, it was on, you know, I don't even know if very many people remember right. TRL, you know. You know, you know, top ten and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, they were they made the number one. You know, we were watching that. You know, we we're watching Ocean Avenue. Only one. You know, lights and sounds. Right. And after that, they fell off. And the reason I feel that they kind of fell off from the public is because they became more technical. Right. They became, you know, a lot of the stuff that they play. Not very many people can replicate it. Right. You know? Well, that's like uh, Panic yeah. at the Disco. Their, exactly. their first album came out what was i don't know if that was their first i i read there well you know just one of their top ones right yeah there. that was that was the one where they really hit it big and then like nobody could replicate that album yeah so, with everything yeah, they had a queen is the one that inspired both of them and then yeah. but after that the next album it just everyone was expecting that just madness and the shit that was thrown in yeah and it was like a more regular album it was like it's the same fucking band and unfortunately, like, I know a lot of people say that rock's coming back, and I, I really want to believe it, you know. And, and, you know, and, and, and in unsigned bands, indie and everything, you know, you see the life. It, it is extravagant. It's passionate. You know, I've been able to meet one of the greatest uh, mentors right. of uh, singing and songwriting, which has been uh, Jimmy from Others May Fall. 
and uh, taking yeah. me under the wing as far as like how to deal with the stresses of being able to write and being able to promote, right. to be able to live the lifestyle as you're supposed to. Because when I got into this business, as far as original business, I had no direction. You know, I had a band prior to this, but it was never as as deep as it is ingrained in Baltimore. And right. I can't with think of Jimmy, a better yeah. person for yeah. you to have paired up with because that guy, he will give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. And he, like, when I first started doing music in the Baltimore scene, like, two years ago, he was one of the first people I meet. And when you see that, when you see Jim on stage, you're like, God, that guy's fucking wild he's yeah. crazy and then you meet him in person and he's just like hey how you it's doing? funny because like, like he's, completely you not what you would think he yeah. would be because when i first met him i it took him to come out to two of our shows to realize that he actually had any kind of you know right you know direction towards me because it was like the first time i met jimmy i was like hey you know i'm chris and he was like hey i'm jimmy and then nothing. And nothing. I was like, great, that guy doesn't and like me. me. That, but yeah. Brian Michaels, like, he can talk your ear Brian's for, the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. Brian's up here. Jim's yeah. just like, and it's funny because it's different dynamic than most bands have. Because most of the time, you've got the lead singer who's out there calling the fucking shots. Jimmy, he, he just, he's like, you know what? I let Brian do that shit. But I'm it, here to have a beer. And then I'm going to go up, sing a few songs, and I'm going to get off stage, and I'm yeah. going to have another beer and watch the next band. And I remember, you know, when I, before a year too late started, I had seen Others May Fall play. They played a show with Shallow Deep, um, which they had played with. And when I first saw them, uh, Others May Fall play, I was like, holy crap, this freaking band's phenomenal. Right. And then a year later, a year too late... But <laughs> a year later, all of a sudden, um, the promoter of WTG Promotions, Travers, gets a hold of me and he was like, hey, do you want to do a show with Others May Fall? And I was like, but, but, but what? Like, I can't know. Like, because I was starstruck because right. like when I saw them, um, Steve Nelson of uh, Shallow Deep was like, yeah, they, they're phenomenal. They've been playing for 15 years. And I was like, yeah, I don't belong on stage with these guys. These guys are phenomenal. And then all of a sudden I'm like, here, you guys are going to play before or you guys are the headliner and they're going to support right. you. And I was like, what? You don't, you don't want to make them the headliner and all right. that? you know? <laughs> so like, I was kind of shell-shocked. Well, with violence and vanity. But with that's the good, thing. That's that's that good thing about Jimmy and Brian. Like, you know, in your head, they should have been the headliner. But yeah. they don't just look out for their band. They look out for other bands that they're, they're working with or, or music that they admire. They... They help everybody else out, and just because they're doing good does not mean that they just need to be focused on themselves. They're kind of to the point where they can branch out and, you know, like your band, like yeah. sit down, have a conversation, and be like, hey, you're, you're, you know, we're going to open for you. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's it, humble. That's humble as and, well. And the first, when they came on, when, uh, what was it? Brian made me nervous because I remember when we played our, like, we, we usually have an instrumental. That if we're headlining, we kind of do this whole instrumental thing. Right. And we're off stage. And then all of a sudden I look over to the opposite end of the stage and Brian Michaels is sitting there with one of his feet up and he's just sitting there like, he's like, I'm going to freaking judge you kind of look. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be. Yeah, he just wants to fuck with you. <laughs> all right. So, you know what? You're going to judge Brian Michaels right now. I'm going to show you a picture I took of him. Is this Kevin of the Hawks, Kevin Hawks? Yeah, that dude night. took a poop yes. on oh, yeah, yeah. the It is that the was, greatest. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was in Kevin Hawks. Yeah. I took that picture. <laughs> Absolutely. That dude is awesome. I think he gave me a hug later that night. <laughs> he didn't wipe his hands. Yeah, yeah oh, he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> but like, he wiped with his hands and didn't wash afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> they were out of toilet paper at the Hawk House. <laughs> oh, my God. 
But yeah, you know, like Brian Michaels, the dude's a fucking sweetheart. I don't know how to say it. You know, that dude, um, he's taught me so much about branching out. I mean, you can only write a song so well before, you know, you're going to reach a cap, but to sell yourself is a whole different mindset to, right. to brand yourself is a whole different mindset to get out and meet people and sell tickets you too. Know, exactly. That can be you difficult. Know? Yeah. And a lot of people, when they start a band, like, let's be, let's be honest. A lot of times you got introverted people and oh, the yeah. reason why they're it. in a band <laughs> is because they can't express themselves socially. Yeah. So that is their outlet. That's the way they go. And then it's like, well, here, I need you to sell 50 tickets. And it's like, uh, but part of that experience, and I think this is something the Baltimore scene, I've talked to Nick about this, needs to grow, is people like that, you're helping them. You're raising yeah. them up. You're opening them up. And they're having different lives. And their lives are getting better because they're learning different skills and learning how to communicate and not be so introverted. That's, that's to huge. To say something that about somebody. Brian Michaels. Brian Michaels, uh, I love other may, others may fall. I played with them. Uh, at, uh, it was like a military benefit over a year ago for Billy England. Um, Brian Michaels cares more about every band out there and trying to help them out. Right. Um, and like when I've been when I was brought in by Brian, um, you know, of course I come from the Fletcher's days when a lot of stuff like this really didn't exist. I mean, he had tickets back then, but it was different. Um, but like half our audience was just like, what's Fletcher's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what Fletcher's is. Fuck you. Um, I, like, lived there. I, like, literally lived there. Um, I think I slept in the back alley there a couple times. But um, just strumming a guitar, trying to make money to get home. But, you know, Brian Michaels, uh, Kevin Hot, what they do um, with a lot of their events... You know, I, that's like, they have really good fucking solid ideas and they really care about their bands. And, you know, that's the one thing when I started doing BSM, you know, I was, you know, I talked to Brian about Brian Smith. So you're not not confusing people. I talked to Brian Smith about was, I was like, you know, if I'm going to come along, um, you know, you want me to bring you bands you've never heard of. Okay. I could do that all fucking day long. Cause all you do is goddamn metal. But um, I love metal, though. Don't get me wrong. I love pretty much all music other than rap and hip-hop. But they, I, when I came along, I was like, all right, well, this, I want to be able to build ideas like this. Right. And when I came to him originally with this idea, he was like, I fucking love it. So Brian Michaels and Kevin, they all, they've already, already kind of built that family. They right. have a really good, solid family. Strong, yeah. And, uh. You know, I've talked to people from those from that family, and they're so strong to that family. It's like right. you know, trying to adopt a kid to get a band sometimes. Um, well, and you and, don't like. I think in a lot of other communities, you you don't have to put somebody down to raise yourself up. Exactly. Like band, you know, yeah. you you. There's no reason why everybody can't coexist, and when they do that, everybody benefits. Yeah. You know, everybody's going to get better. So, you know, like this bill that we have for Toys for Tots. Okay, somebody might come to see you guys a year too late and then listen to bootleggers and Baptists and be like, oh, my God, I love them, too. Uh And you know what? If I didn't come to this or I didn't say I wouldn't even heard this band. Yeah. You know, and same thing, vice versa. They might have fans to come and hear you guys. And it's really a great time for Baltimore music because we've got good fucking bands going all together. Yeah. And with shows like what 
Kevin does and Brian does and with what I'm starting to do, it's really starting to build it. Which and I've said it before on other podcasts. Like when I was growing up, I'd see local bands and I think the only band that I remember that was any good was Schizo. And but every other band, it was just like I'd be sitting there listening. I'm like, ah, what the fuck is going in my ears? This hurts. Make it stop. It's just a bunch of screaming and people banging on tin cans and and backwards guitars, you know. And that was one of the things when when we when I started writing, because if you look at every individual person in my band, we definitely don't like individually belong in pop punk, punk rock and all that stuff. Our drummer now currently, Jack Schaefer, I mean, he comes from doom metal, you know, punk. Like, he's very fast and hard. Like, nice. Jack the Ripper. You know, you're thinking of, like... So you're going to do some, some Dead Kennedy oh, soon? Because <laughs> well, sure. I'm, just, I'm just saying, you do. I'm, I'm telling you. If you did Dead Kennedys with your voice, it would be good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, like, it, it, it's neat because uh, when we first started, you know, a year or two late, uh, going back to the days of... Tyler Johnson and Gabe Hurley. Tyler Johnson was like metalcore uh, as a lead. And then we had Gabe, who was a strictly jazz drummer who played right. with cover bands with classic rock. So coming into the pop punk genre was a learning experience for him as well. Right. But it was it was neat because his stylistics brought something unique to uh, you know the technique of how we wrote and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Where Tyler Johnson brought the grit, you know, you know me or you know our basis comes from funk, you know. And, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and then I'm the only person that comes from R and B. So we kind of like threw all of that together. And we're like, let's meet at a happy medium and all that. Let's mix it up. Yeah, that's what makes it and good. It's, and it's been awesome because like. Growing up, like, I didn't hear about pop punk, punk, anything until, like, high school. Because I was growing up on people like New Edition, Tevin Campbell. Brian and I were just listening to that New Edition in the car last night for, like, a 45-minute drive. So. Oh, my God. Like, anything like that. And believe it or not, you know, a little secret, like, huge on boy bands and all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I don't care who, who you know. Hey, they had who, a good you know, formula. Yeah. You may not, people may yeah. not like their music, but you know what? It they was like either NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. So I was like, I'm going to go sing with this, you know, NSYNC and all that stuff. So like every karaoke, if I get drunk enough or even, that, even you know, even sober, I'm like, I'm going to go sing Bye Bye Bye, whatever. Well, didn't you, you know? Didn't you and I do like a Backstreet Boys song at karaoke up here? Uh, oh, that's like right. Nick's Nick, over here was like, uh, just yeah, I've done Barbie Girl. I've done, I've done, Plenty of aqua. I don't care what I sing. It's a fucking matter. But it, it, it came to we, a point. We broke into song on our own podcast with the streams, and we did like I think it was uh, one of the NSYNC or Backstreet Boys songs too. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah, about you got to appreciate all kinds of music. Yeah, and and you know, growing up like that, <laughs> then coming into the punk rock, pop punk, and all the rock scene. You know, you know, blanketed over is just you know guitars and all that stuff. You know, Newfound Glory was the first band I ever heard, you know. Oh, wow. As far as that. And then, like, Hit or Miss, that song, like, had me hooked. So I was singing for a band as a lead vocalist, but, like, I didn't play any instruments. And and it wasn't until the Navy that I actually picked up a guitar, and I'm like, you know what? i got to do something with my free time and started playing the guitar. Oh, so you started Johnny Cash. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You started playing guitar in the Navy. Like, yeah, had, about like the high Navy. school, you weren't. You weren't. No, now I actually and... just uh, stuck to singing, just singing. And then, like, my mom would once in a while catch me singing in the fan because I wanted to auto tune my voice once in a while, <laughs> singing a Roger Zap and all that stuff. But you know, it, it's been unique seeing the 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 first forming of a year too late. You know, because it was it was if you look at it from an outside point of view, it was be it was it was a disaster waiting to happen. Right. It was kinda like, how the hell are you guys gonna, you know, make this stuff? And the first song that we finished was something real. And um kind of just accumulates, you know, just the whole persona of like look, like shit's gonna right. hit you, you know, no matter what, but you know, life's real kind of thing, you know. You can either take it for what it's worth or you take it for what, right. you know, or you keep living in la-la land, you know. And that we kind of went with that throughout the whole album. And eventually we had some funny songs such as uh, one of the crowd favorites is James Knight. My, well, let me stop you. Let me stop you. That's my I, what I want to do is I want to take a break. My We're favorite. on an hour now. And then I want to come back and I want to actually get in to what some of the songs are about, yeah, what they yeah. mean, and actually dig into to the songs and yeah, the music and too. your inspirations, like when yeah, you're yeah, writing definitely. them and where some of the thoughts came from, whether it was, oh, I'm in the military, this sucks, or my ex-girlfriend, <laughs> or my car broke down, like shit like that. So yeah. everybody, we will be right back, and here's a word from some of our sponsors. I will look out to you to find my own peace. Diamonds across the line, this wind so call me. Did I see you again? Or is it too late?
everyone, this is Chris, and welcome back to Charm City Music Cast. And we're actually doing a special today with A Year Too Late. And we are doing this for the Toys for Tots benefit concert that's going on at Fish Hand Cantina, Saturday, December 15th, 2018. So go to, well, you can't go to Toys R Us anymore, can you? Go to Walmart or you can go there. Target. And Anywhere you can get toys. There yeah, you pick go. up a toy, bring it. Uh, tickets are $10. You're going to see Bootleggers and Baptists, Old Bay Thrashers, A Year Too Late, The Stifled, and Snow Villain. And once again, that date is December 15th at Fishhead Cantina. You can get your tickets by going to one of the band's Facebook pages, PMing them, being like, hey, dude, I want to buy a ticket. Ten bucks. You got five great bands. It's going to be Christmas-themed. Everyone's going to be out drinking, having a good time, listening to some amazing music. And one of the bands that's going to be there is a year too late. And Hello, I'm back. We were just getting into, like, some of your songs, okay? Yeah. Now, there's going to be three songs that are played, one at the beginning, one in the middle, and then one at the end of this podcast. And I've got those songs right here. So, California. You kind of, I think you, I, I you kind of touched yeah. a little bit of what that's yeah, about, but definitely. give me some of the lyrics and let me know. So, I mean, it's, it's, I feel that everybody that, you know, is a songwriter should somewhat kind of either A, write a song about home or kind of, you know, it, it's kind of cliche, but every, I, you know, every person has to kind of write that song to kind of give ode where you're coming from because if you if you know where you're you know where you came from you actually know where you're going as far as that you know right and one of the things i always wanted to do was uh write a song about california and uh i was actually fortunate enough to do it and uh as far as the lyrics are concerned and all that stuff it was one of my first times that i ever actually tried to like write in a kind of like a metaphoric kind of way um like if you look at the first verse i will look out to you to find my own peace and then the second line being diamonds across the line this wind so calming i'm talking about san diego's mission beach at that point so if you look out into the line of the horizon what do you usually see just twinkling diamonds as far as that and that's where i kind of got the idea as far as that you know and um it was it was neat because uh Tyler at the at the time wrote a pretty awesome riff to uh, not uh, as far as like the lead portion of that and I kind of stuck with it right. but California is actually going to be one of the songs we're remastering into making even uh, you know it, I feel even better more exclusive you know more right. you know because when we did Rhetoric we did it in our basement yeah. and uh, we were given a deadline before our first show which was uh, September something. Um, 23rd, I think. Do you remember? Ninth. Ninth? Yeah. So you were told you needed EP. Yeah. So we, so we overshot. We were like, you know what? We can keep pulling songs. So we did a full-length album and all that. And right. um, as a band who was together, we started a year too late in March. Because um, only one had broken up. And um, at that point, I was kind of like, nah, I don't know what you know which way we're gonna go so we started in march and then from march to september it it amazed me because we had we had exceeded the ep uh you know level as far as four songs mm-hmm. and we're like you know we got so many more ideas let's keep going right and for us to get a full-length album you know to finish that uh you know that stack we were actually pretty impressed to do it in the first place right and when we uh, finished it, 
we were more so our, our I guess I guess um, our efforts were more so into the live in the presence of our first you know show as right. um, a year too late and we ended up coming out with record uh, record uh, sales as far as tickets down in our area you know we had exceeded everybody uh, by far which was thank you to the community of St. Mary's County you know right. you guys stepped up it was it was awesome you know then other bands that have been playing there for forever were they all age shows or were they were they no these one, were all 21 and oh, up wow. so that was like the, for us to, to do that with a 21 and up it was kind of like it was astonishing for us so it kind of ignited another fire like you know what you know we looked at rhetoric and we're like you know what it's good as a demo and all that stuff, but I think we can do a little bit better by cleaning it up. Right. Playing to a click track, that was the first and foremost, yeah. because the first time we, we did it, we didn't play to a click track. You know, we just got in there like, play it, go, boom, yep. record. And then that's how we came up with rhetoric. But a lot of it, you know, a lot of people attached to it, especially James Knight and Something Real. Those are the two, you know, we get, you know, a lot of... Um, People, you know, they come up and they're like, these songs are remarkable. And then another one is meant for more. Um, we've, I've had people come up to me and go like, you know what? That song meant for more. I quit my job that I was at and I ended up doing what I really love doing this job. I started a business off of this job. Like right. the lyrics you have on the back of your shirt, they've been. Remarkable. And what were those lyrics? So the lyrics were as far as um, what's it called? Uh, meant for more. Yeah. On the back of it was the second half of our uh course which was um let's face it this normal routine was never meant for me i feel crazy maybe this is life telling me maybe i'm meant for more right so we ended up going with that on the back of our shirts i'm sure there's more i'm uh but as far as i remember that's what i usually uh, that's what i had am i correct is that's what i had on the back yeah, of the shirt that's correct so and um, you completely bite how does that make you feel like the fact that something you wrote lyrics thoughts that came out of your head something that inspired you and something you felt inside somebody else listened to that inspired them to make some changes in their life when and they when they did that i was kind of like this is kind of surreal like this is kind of weird i don't know you how can't to take sue it. me like, if I this goes bad yeah i was like, I was like you know what um, you want to think about where you're going with this? you know <laughs> you know but you know but the kid inside of me was like yeah, that's fucking badass. But it didn't really hit back at home. And Men For More was one of those ones I wish I would have shared with you. But that was one we're really cleaning up. Right. We're, this is one that we're bringing back with us into the new album. Um, we, uh, it just, it didn't hit me. And I, I, I felt like, or it didn't hit me until we were playing. And then all of a sudden, like my vocals gave out and i stopped oh. and i pulled back and all of a sudden i just hear the crowd singing this song and i was like this isn't as bad as i thought i was gonna be you know wow. this is gonna be just to like have my vocals cut out on me and they were singing it back to me and it was one of the most remarkable and events, you didn't you know? did you realize it like were they singing all along or when your no, voice as cut soon out, as, started... as soon as it cut my my vocals cut out i was like oh my god and i turned around and i faced gabe at the time at the drums and he was like do i just keep going do i just keep going and you're like no. and then i just looked, turned around and i just hear them full blast singing these lyrics and i was like bucket list wow that's you know, support and those know, are people yeah. that have listened to your music they yeah, didn't just come awesome. to the show and like oh this band's cool and like it was just one of those things that like i like it just that knot in your throat and i was like yeah 
you got me, guys. You know, right? But it was it was, it was remarkable in in that essence, as far as like to have that support, to know that you know something out there is touching somebody. Right. As far as that, you know, but That's... as far as like the complexity of the songs and all that stuff like that, we wanted to try something different. You know, obviously some some songs are le better left, you know, as is. Um, but meant for more, we it, we branded that song. We made it our, you know. That was your it, that yeah. was your big song. We put it on a shirt, so we we're like, this better work out. Or right. <laughs> we got a bunch of shirts that have shit lyrics. You know what I mean? Man, it's so, kind of scary because, like, with you guys and a lot of the other bands out there, like, if you listen to their EP, like, it's good music. Like yeah. back when I was growing up, you know, nineteen to twenty five years old. Like, I'm sitting there listening, like, buying CDs at Best Buy. And I get a CD from, you know, one of the bands I like that came out. And I might like three songs off of it. Yeah. But the nice thing about the local music scene here is a lot of the, the bands that are putting out EPs, they're timeless. You can listen to them straight through. Yeah. And like every song, you know? You're not like, oh, I'm going to go back to that last song because I like it this much. Um that's 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 huge that's yeah. huge and with that being said i think it also makes it very hard for a band to be like this is going to be our song that we put our best foot forward yeah. with and we're going to throw out to the people you know and we're really going to push this song because you know like Dreamcatcher, are you guys you guys familiar mm. with them like i asked them that question and yeah they did end eventually end up picking one song that they were really getting behind but if I were in that band, my head would explode because I'd be like, which one? Yeah. Because they've got the, the whole, all their EPs are great. And I think they have a new one that just came out or is coming out. Um, but how do you choose that? Exactly. You know? How do you choose that? And especially if it's new material that you haven't played before a crowd before. You know, you start with that song. And what if the third song on the EP is the one the crowd really digs into? Yeah, exactly. Uh, going back to Dreamcatcher. The song they least expected everybody to like was... One of the ones that and everybody loves. To be honest loved. with you, it's funny you said that because we least expected everybody to like James Knight. And that's what I was going to about next. <laughs> and everybody has been My like, favorite. they're like, James Knight is fucking hilarious. And yeah. how did how did that happen? Because so, how did that how like how was the word getting back to you? Was it just enough people were coming up to you be like, I love James Knight? Yeah, exactly. Like, really? Well, a lot of people were like, as far as far as like. James, the guy who, the name James, he's our actual sound tech okay. who, who started with only one. And um, he never drank. He would not drink anything, nothing. And we always, like, wrote, like, you know what? If James did drink, how would his night go? So we made this whole story up. Oh, of like, nice. You know what? This is how your night's going to be. It's like Marvel, if what if? Exactly. What if yeah. James drank? So we went with that kind of, you know, that nostalgia and all that stuff. And it worked out. You know, a lot of people were loving it. I remember when I played it the first time um, at Callaway 5, somebody threw their shoes at me because one of the lyrics was like, where are my shoes at? Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden I see somebody like, there were so many shoes on stage. I could, I was like, Jesus. Oh, wow. And then somebody threw a shoe at me and hit me in the guitar. And I was like, Oh, what the Austin hell? Austin Powers. Who throws yeah. a shoe? <laughs> really? And I was like, it, it we caught. encourage you yeah. not to throw shoes, please. And it, and it caught. Do not it throw shoes. It was one of those things where like, yeah, we're not going to put any effort in this. Let's just throw four chords out there and call it a day. 
and it just caught, and everybody was like, "Dude, that yeah, song I mean, is hilarious." I mean, some of the most famous songs yeah. in the world are one, you know, you one, know four, what? five, and the truth. I want one, I three, wanna, five, and the truth. I want to put but, a little challenge out there for the Fishhead Show. Okay, anybody? Do like, encourage people wherever, to throw fucking shoes. Go get a pair, <laughs> a cheap pair of kids shoes. Throw fucking shoes. Get a cheap pair of kids no. shoes. Now, hold on, hold on, because kids need. No, we're not shoes. having a Mentos Food Fighter like fucking and, situation and just, going on here. They don't have to pitch them. It, it the can box. be like a, a soft pitch, but bring yeah. them, put them on stage, and then give them the. Uh, I'll just, just throw it out the band while they're playing. For every okay. shoe that shows up, we're just gonna throw it in the toys for Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah toys uh, for they, they, Well, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Over yeah. Home, and he's gonna have a trunk full of children's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do with those kids? At least he doesn't have a conversion. Why do you smell like alcohol? Can you imagine being pulled over with a? Hundred pairs of shoes in your truck, like where are you going, sir? Like, well, well, the Marines, the Marines, the Marines will be taking these shoes. So if they get pulled over, they'll be like, oh, on your way. We're not asking any questions. No, but seriously, anybody who listens to this, listens to this podcast, go to Walmart. Of course, pick up your toys. Still, kids like toys better than shoes. Yeah, but. Pick up a cheap pair of kids' shoes and just take them. Don't don't pitch them on the like. Don't hurt anybody. Yeah, just don't hit me. Yeah, just like little underhand loft up on the stage. You know. You're gonna buy kid light up shoes and start slapping them on the stage. Oh, that's yeah. That's that. See, light up shoes. There, that's that's for the person who's gonna go the extra mile. There you go. So so what did he like? Did he know you were writing this? Yeah, I I told him, and it was funny because oh my god. See, I wouldn't have told him. I would have waited until you released the EP. Or well, you we, did it live. We told him we were going to write it. And we're like, look, dude, like you don't drink and you're no fun right now. So I'm going to write a song about you. And I was drunk when I said that. So, like, I apologize for never saying that you were fun. Because that dude's, a, he's, he's, he's. A well, now, now yeah. after the song, he drinks yeah. probably. And he's like, <laughs> no, actually, you, can, you inspired him to drink. And yeah, he's like, this is great. Day, you know? <laughs> the yeah, I support him. He's currently in Afghanistan right now oh, wow. um, as a contractor and all that okay. stuff. But still, you know more power to him but like james like that dude is dedicated as 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 anything man he is he's got a structure and and one of my things was is to deviate him off structure right because it got to the point to where i was not allowed to be on stage until he was finished because he's like chris get out of here you're messing things up right and like anybody that worked with him, it was just like, get off stage, you're, you're fired, boom. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like this and is my shit. We have a guy named Scott that's like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, just, I was like, he's over I, in Afghanistan right now, looking at everybody else working. With him. He's like, get the I fuck was, out, I'll fix this mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll fix George Bush's mess. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna deviate this guy, but his wife. I remember the first show we had, which was the September 9th show, right? And um, I was like. I'm going to play James Knight. Well, nobody heard the lyrics, not even James himself. Mm-hmm. And his wife was like, you better not fucking play that fucking song. Like she was like, she was adamant. She's like, you play that song. I'm going to punch you in the Tell face. Me the crowd chanted. Well, it. it didn't help that prior to the song, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sing about James liking three ways and all this stuff. Like I made it like uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to make this thing as vulgar as possible. And oh, it is awful. Yeah. <laughs> His wife was freaking the hell out. If you sing that song, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I was like, you know what? All those in favor of me singing this song, raise your hand. So I raised my hand. The only person that raised their hand, yeah, a year too late. Cliff, I'm talking to you and Tyler. Nobody raised their hand except Gabe, which was on the opposite. And he looked around. He's like, well, hell, fuck. 
I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, it, and, and she, she put pissed. her hand up. Was like, I dare you, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up playing it and all that stuff. And she was like, It wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. I really liked the song. And she ended up falling in love with it. And James loved it to death. And it was one of our, you know, greatest songs and all that stuff. But we did not expect it to do that. Because right. to be honest with you, when I made that, I made it off of a video game. I was like, this goes with this. This goes with this. This goes with that. That sounds good. Okay, cool. And then I was like, hey, guys, why don't we play these chords right here and try this out? And then all of a sudden, before you know it, James Knight happened. Huh. And we were just like, yeah, this sounds pretty good. And it just kind of, like, caught Deadbeat Holiday's attention. They ended up playing shows with us. And uh, one of them, Sam, he ended up throwing his shoe up at me. Or I don't know. I don't, it was somebody's shoe. And that was the song on yeah. the album that you were just like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was like, man, I guess we'll do with it and all that stuff. But, Did you uh, ever, like, in your head when somebody told you that was their favorite song, you're like, well, what about this one? What yeah, about this one? I was mad one? because my favorite song out of it, uh, out of the whole album, was called Ending which we are bringing that back to the new uh, album because ending was just kind of like, it was a rough 2016 for me, a rough 2017. And it was just a combination of putting everything I had into that, the intricate, the intricacy as far as the lead guitar, rhythm guitar. Cause what most people don't really know uh, about year too late is when it comes to the album, Mm -hmm. I play both the rhythm the lead and the bass. Right. The only person that ever, and what was it? I write 100% of everything except the drums. But as far as the drums are concerned, I kind of give a direction as to, hey, this is right. this is what was going to go. A lot of people have been on like, why don't you just go by your name and then you have a live band? And I was like, I don't know. I just kind of like the whole nostalgic of a band name. And well, stuff and like I that. think I think that's like, I, I've seen a few people do it successfully, but I think like when you're established <coughs> and you're with a record company and your band dissolves or you're like done with it and you move on, like, for instance, I was told with everything that's going on with the podcast and a shared universe and Kevin Smith and Ming Chen that I needed to start like my own fan page. Yeah. And I felt weird doing that. I'm like, because in a way, you're, you've got to kind of be like narcissistic yeah, to and do you know something what? like and there's that. There's a lot of people that go like, they, there's a lot of people, especially like people not of the music community, coworkers, friends, and all right. that stuff. They're like, you're pretty narcissistic to keep sharing this post, to keep doing this, right. to keep promoting this. But you know what? There's got to be a level of narcissism right. to go into hand of believing what you what you're doing. No, you're promoting you, your, there's yeah. a difference between promoting yeah, yourself and just being cocky. Because if you don't believe what you're doing, nobody else is going to. Right. So. And, well, and look at, look at. I mean, we've got Brian Riley now. He's with Imbued, but he's going out doing his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, oh gosh, let's see, Will Sims, who's with Phantasm. Um, Matt, is it Matt Daly? Or what's his name? Matt forgetting his name right now but there's a few artists who've been with bands in the baltimore scene that have, have started to go out and are doing their own thing as solo yep. artists and i can understand that because you know they're established and really at that point it's just them on stage doing yeah. something acoustic um where you know with you like if i were in your shoes i would have made the same exact decision like you know what no we're a band yeah we're a band and like i said like it was uh when Redrick came out we had shows left and right, and it was it was hard to keep up with all that stuff. And as time went on, and I guess this is the tell-all of the of of the interview as far as that, 
it became really hard on myself as far as having to freaking, you know, keep the whole band together, figure out practice schedules, figure out all that stuff. And it, in, at that point, like it was, it was getting to the point to where there was a decision or kind of a mindset that you have to form yourself into was, are you ready to be in an original band? Because there's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of negative that goes into starting and a band, but to continue, it takes a special person. Right. And, as time went on, you start seeing the toll that it takes on individuals. And unfortunately, the we lost our um, drummer, which was Gabe Hurley. Um, I was going through some stuff. Everybody else was going through stuff and all that stuff. And we put him as the lead person for the band. Right. And um, it just didn't work out. It wasn't what he wanted as far as right. uh, what he thought the original uh, band was going to be, what I thought the original band was going to be. The right. dude is, I mean, like I said, like, the dude is a phenomenal drummer. Love him to death. Like, I, I, there's not very many drummers that I put high in there. Right. You know, but, you know, losing him was, was a huge heartbreak. And right. that's why I immediately called off the hiatus as far as our band was concerned. And then Nick reached out to us, and he'd also reached out to Gabe prior to the um, to the hiatus about getting us on to the show. And when we took the band split, it was kind of a really heartbreak because we lost, you know, several opportunities and all that stuff. But it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just the dynamic of like, hey, you know, this is a lot for us to take at that time. Right. And it just wasn't working out for everybody's agenda. Right. Nick the reason why we stuck by him was because throughout this hiatus, he had continuously checked in on us. He had continuously was like, Hey, you guys doing okay? Like, Hey, I heard read about the hiatus. Give me a call. As soon as you guys get back together, we'll book you. We will, we'll figure something out. We'll bring you guys back, you know? And for, you know, the amount of emails, messages, text messages, once the hiatus was announced to the world was kind of like, it was, it was uh, kind of a fresh breath of air to know that, you know what, not only are we losing, you know, right. what we had in the band, it, it's like it would affected a lot more people than we thought. Right. And for us to, it was kind of one of those decisions, like, do we continue a year too late? Do we just start a new project? Because at that time I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a new project. I want to do my own solo album and stuff like that. But as time went on and all that stuff, I was like, you know what, let's start recruiting. And we were fortunate enough to get uh, Jack Schaefer, who was an original drummer for a band called Outside the Wire. They primarily did covers and all that stuff, Foo Fighters and all that stuff. So when he came over to the band, it was, it was, it was, I was kind of skittish about letting another band member, especially the drummer spot, because me and Gabe were inseparable at that point. Right. Letting Jack come in was another position that was kind of like, it was. I had my expectations of what my drummer should be. Right. And when he came in, five days later, he already knew our set list. He already played it. Not nice. only that, like he, he was ready to go. And like, I want this job. Yeah, And he showed that that's what he wanted. And at that point, we were like, you know what? We'll pull the trigger on Jack Schaefer. And, I mean, the dude, he, he's a machine. He's right. like, 
easy to work with in the studio. He's on time, plays the click track. I mean, this dude, he is awesome. You know, he has his own stylistics as far as what he played and all that stuff. But to meld with us and to, to be able to play alongside with, with a genre that he's not so much that he's not unfamiliar with, but that he's not played before. He was willing to try new yeah. things and learn. And he did exceptionally well, and he's been pretty awesome from here on right. out. And the new songs that we've been able to, that I've been able to write with Jack Schaefer, it's been phenomenal and all that. Um, kind of going in the direction of Page Avenue from Story of the Year, you know, right. their first, you know, until the day I die. You're growing. Kinda, you know, that is so yeah. process. <clears throat> you talked about this new. When is the new album? So the new album we're coming out with is we've already got a set of new songs we've already got. And we're bringing in some of the other songs. As you know, anybody that tries to go and stream our music for Rhetoric has been pulled off uh, the internet. The reason we pulled off the uh, Rhetoric was when we did Rhetoric, we were rushed. We were given a deadline and we were kind of like, hey, we got to put this out right there. One of those things being is we didn't know certain recording techniques. We didn't get in with the genre. We were kind of just like, here, here's a microphone. Let's start recording. Let's do what we can do. Right. We didn't have any premise of like, we didn't even think of like the small things such as a click track, such as, you know, things right. we kind of just recorded. So when we, when we got is, you know, the attention that we got off of rhetoric, despite using all of that we were right. kind of like wow like we have something but going. You, and you've got that tool in your arsenal now like the click track yeah, that's so like, going to do so, so much you're, you're you're really making sure everything comes out good yes. do you have a like right now we are still trying to get everything together we've already picked up the songs we're bringing from redrick to this new one the new okay. album is going to be called revival um, a lot of people, it's kind of a controversial kind of thing because a lot of people have been asking, are you guys going to keep Gabe on some of it? Because unfortunately, during the recording of Revival, halfway through it, Gabe had stepped down right. as that. So we only have Gabe Hurley on drums for select songs. Uh, one of the songs that he will remain in is Ending, and it's the last song on Ending, which everybody, like as we were talking earlier... That's one of my, that's my favorite. Right. Um, it was kind of my salute to Yellow Card as the orchestral and right. the last song. How does he, how does Dave feel about that? Is he like, yeah, keep him. Like, as far as, um, what was that, what was that? Like, 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 how's he, Dave, yeah. Yeah, is he, he like, dude, use it. Like, if he's like, dude, use it. Unfortunately, I, we kind of haven't kept in contact with Gabe. Right. Um, when we had uh, stopped, we kind of, kind of cut ties, unfortunately. Right. But what we do have, we're going to keep as a re as respect because as much as, you know, as much as some fans don't want it to be or some fans do want it to be, it's kind of one of those things like, look, you started with us, you're going to finish with us whether you right. want it or not as far as that. You know, because Gabe was, don't get me wrong, Gabe was a, a, a very core part of A Year right. Too Late. So it's only in respect regardless of the situation that you right. keep him on revival so keeping him on ending is is going to be one of my biggest respects you know my respects to him because that's one of the closest songs that i have that are that are tugging at my heart right uh leading with ending and ending's going to have a new whole new orchestral setting it's going to have a lot more respects as far as the earlier songs and all that stuff but we're adding it's going to be so many songs from Redrick coming in with a new whole lineup of new songs. Right. Now, 
the songs that came from Redrick are going to be played differently. They're going to be in different red rudiments. They're going to be played differently. We've already we've heard the first time we played. You have a little bit of life breathing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the way I mean, you listen to me playing guitar from this time to this time. Like I put myself through hell to make sure that I can actually keep up and all that stuff. And one of the uh, the best showmanships as far as playing lead guitar. And seeing it at the same time, I can only name two people. And the first person comes to mind is Claudio Sanchez of Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. Phenomenal. Like, this dude is phenomenal. You know, and then he, I just heard he got a haircut and all that stuff, right. shaved his beard and everything. So he looks completely different. And apparently their new album. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a very difficult thing to do. And then one of, my favorite, one of my favorite we uh, songwriters of all time. Um, other than Ryan Key, has been Jim Atkins of Jimmy Eat World. I love right. Jimmy Eat World. Like, there's no tomorrow. The way he, this guy plays the guitar and sings at the same time, right. I've been following closely how he does it so that I can do it. Because the new guitarist we got, uh, Jack McNutt, everybody keeps making fun of his last name. So you guys can yeah. <laughs> go at it right there. But, like, uh, he's coming like in. He said me. Yeah. <laughs> he's coming in. As a rhythm guitarist, not a lead guitarist. He's coming in as another uh, rhythm guitarist. And the dude, he was primarily the bassist for Flying Jacob. So um, for him, he moved to Ohio and came back uh, here. And we're like, hey, you don't got a band? I just saw Flying Jacob, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, Yeah, two weeks ago, man. God. Wow. Whole different sound. Great fucking band. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. But as far as like, Jack, I was like, look, you wouldn't be playing bass, you'd be playing guitar. And he was like, let's do this. And the dude probably like spent like about two grand just immediately invested in his gear and his stuff. He's like, I want, he's like, I want to go with, you know, I want to hit this band running and all that stuff. And he learned the set list just like that, you know. Wow. Both Jacks, when I got them after the split up, Lane, uh, our backup vocalist, she took the took the lead on recruiting new uh, players. It must have been about six drummers before we came to uh, Jack Schaefer. Jack Schaefer came in; he fit in correctly, and it, it it just felt good with him as far as his, you know, the direction he wanted to go. And then when we talked, we had other players, other guitarists that uh, wanted to try out, and it was between two. And then we had an unfortunate night with one of the guitarists, and we're like, "Yeah, we're not gonna go that way," and we ended up going with Jack McNutt. And Jack McNutt has been pretty okay, now awesome. it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So Jack McNutt has been phenomenal as far as uh, playing with us. Is, he, is he going to get a stage name? Or I hope scary? it just stays McNutt. <laughs> and then we just call it Mc, McNutt <coughs> or something. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure McLovin. McLovin. McLovin the nut. <laughs> but, I mean, the buildup of the band has been, it's been wild because we went from always constantly staying to us because... Before, in January, Tyler took his exit um, as the lead guitarist, and it was a big old feud. It was, it was kind of, it was weird. It was awkward. But we had fill-in leads for the right. longest time, and when even even down to our first Transcendence event show, we had a fill-in and all that stuff. And um, everybody was like, "Why do you have a different guitarist every show?" We're like, "Well, the only 
nobody really ties into it and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'd lie to him. Yeah. Like, we don't. What are you talking about? Yeah, hey, Same I dude. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> this wears a mask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, just hair differently. Yeah, yeah. we were doing that for like the whole year. And then when when we got you know when we did the hiatus and all that stuff, we had um, we had gotten Jack both Jacks and. I was kind of, and I'm not going to lie, like, I was a little bit kind of as far as, uh, you know, is this going to work? Because you're going from something that did work, now you have two new players, and that's like half of your band right there. Right. So for, especially with it being one of my, you know, closest friends being Gabe at the point, you know, swapping him for Jack. And at that point, it was one of the scariest things because it was like, you know what, we're replacing, we're doing a heart transplant at this point. And it was it was one of those things where I was reluctant to accept at the same time when it did happen, because if it wasn't for Lane pushing so hard to get the drummer, right. I kind of probably would have just shut everybody out as it was going. But when Jack came in and he played his first interview practice, he knew every single song. So, right. so Lane basically holds, yeah, like really kind of yeah. to hold everything together like a glue. Uh, at this point, yes, she's yeah. been she's been doing her best to keep everything together. She's definitely stepped up. She came came from an introvert who would say nothing to now. She's she just reamed out our bassist Cliff because he was supposed to be here today. You know. Uh, oh wow! What, yeah. and what is uh? <laughs> Sounds like you're going to be looking for a bassist uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> but it all when it comes to this band, Nick's going to be getting a call they, next week. Hey, we can't do that show. Uh, <laughs> I can play bass for most of the. But when, yeah. it, when it came to my band, everybody they're going to have a fucking bass player named Nick that day. <laughs> everybody knows, like, I know that I could be really hard to work with, just because when it comes down to being a perfectionist, or as far as you know, just what I want to envision as far as this song going right. into the next level. Like, I, I'm really hard on my guys, and it shows when it comes Bro, to Well, you were in the military, right? Yeah, and that... So, and you, got, you got a little bit of that, yeah. yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, though. And I have, Terry Ingan is about to see me bring motherfuckers uh, out. Yeah, I've had this conversation with Nick before. One thing with people who've been in the military... Like, civilians don't take that shit well. No, nah, they don't. They act like little bitches, and they cry in corners. <laughs> and then they cry, and then they call their girlfriends Addie, and then they cry even more. Easy there. That's uh, getting I'm edited sorry, Yoko. That's getting edited. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you know what? And, and that was one of the things that I did have to learn Fuck. was was learning how to dial back, learning how to be compassionate towards other feelings. Because when you get in the military, it's like, hey, you got to get a job done, period. doesn't God matter how you right. get it how you do it. But then coming back to civilian world and all that stuff, not taking anything from civilians, but it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different Which, world. It's I mean, to you, to you, you probably have circumstances in your life where you're, I've even had circumstances and gigs that I've done where you've have, you know, certain, you know, your, your goal is to make that the best no matter what mm-hmm. and to work your ass off for it. So, you know, you will really press to make everything work out wonderfully so well that's one thing that even happens with our band is we always say like it's very important that like the the driving force is to not make a fool of ourselves on stage exactly (laughs) like you mean like you mean fish head cantina open mic nights and that's and that's why like during (laughs) making doing worms on stage (laughs) but during Uh, practices uh, even these guys even Cliff, Cliff, my bassist, probably takes a brunt of my hostility because, like, I don't hold back when it comes to him. Right. 
because I work with him as well, too. But, like, it takes, like I said, to go into an original mindset. It's pretty much you putting out your message at right. that point. And if you don't take your message seriously, nobody else will. Right. right. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, you can make some song and be like, yeah, that's my song, I guess. Whatever. Well, a band's like Everybody's a small gonna, business, you know. in my opinion. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, seriously. Right. And, and well, you, you know. get to the point where, like, doing cover, like, starting off as a cover band is great because you're learning how to play material mm-hmm. and you're getting the, you know, being on stage, you're getting used to that and just the experiences of being in a band. And then I think it's natural after that, like, well, okay, I'm doing this song again. I haven't fucking written my own song yet, you know? Yeah. And then to go into a blank canvas and be like, it's one thing to sit here and play, ugh, I hate this, but it's one thing to sit there and play Simple Man in a bar right. and play one of your songs, okay? If you play Simple okay. Man in a, in, 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 a, in a bar, everybody will know it. Yeah. If you play any kind of Leonard Skinner, especially, yeah. you know, you play, you play any kind of cover, I you know, know you, you, you go you go into any any genre or whatever, you play any kind of cover or whatever. Right. I just harp on Simple Man because I played for cover bands that say, all right, yeah, that's playing, one of the, so. yeah, it's a very easy fucking song, <laughs> exactly. especially for rhythm guitar players. So it's like three fucking chords. But that's so. the other thing. There's a place for cover bands, too, because like mm-hmm. that's that's when you have a cover band like they're interested in financing you know their band and they're doing it for a yeah. living because they love music you know right it's perfectly fine for people to be happy just like dude i like fucking playing simple man on stage people like when i play it yep but that is different type of people then you have somebody yep. who's done that for years and it's like i want i want my own simple man and you then know? you get the crowd like like if you get original music and you put them in like i love transcendence events for this reason was you throw five bands in like a monthly mayhem show. Right. You throw them in there. They're in an uncharted territory unless you're playing a cover. Right. You throw them in there and you'd be like, hey, play your music. It's like kind of like uncharted territory at that point. Right. And then you're sitting there like, well, if they don't like my song, this is going to suck, you know, right. kind of thing. But Put your community- back against yeah, the wall. Exactly. But like not just with transcendence events as we get to play with more other you know promotions and all that stuff it it's still that you still get that nervousness you still get that right you know that skittishness of like you know what there's a possibility there's going to be a beer bottle thrown at me if i suck you know or, you know <laughs> or a shoe yeah, exactly. heaven forbid yeah, yeah shoe <laughs> there you go you know but is there chicken wire yeah, yeah. you guys got hats but yeah. you know it, it it is plastic cups only <laughs> it, it's it's scary and that's why i always harp on people that sit there and say you the know good what? news is we only use plastic cups back then <laughs> for sure so you know if they don't like it they can't throw glass at you <laughs> corks on all the fours it's plastic. They, oh my god <laughs> i want to i want to give terry um from boot, uh, bootleggers and baptists a chance to ask you guys some questions from yeah the musician the musician of course nixon musician too so i want to like, give you two a chance like to ask Ask him no, some I just questions. play cover some. Okay, sure. Well, what's your equipment? So, as far as our equipment, as far as like, what do you play out of? Your so, guitar? what do I play out of? Yeah. So, when I'm not lazy, I usually play out of a single wreck with two uh, twelves Mesa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Mesa to death. Oh my god! Um, first time I got a Mesa amp, I was just like stoked because I was like one of those kids it was like i will never own a mesa they're too expensive they're just like every other band you know yellow card story of the year all some 41 all of them they were like 
they all came in contact with a Mesa Wreck. So I was like, I'll never get, you know, a Mesa Wreck or Mesa Boogie combo. So those were like, those were like primarily my, like, if I get this, I'm never letting it go. Yeah. And from uh, Guitar Center, um, one of my good friends, uh, Ryan, he was like, Tom, uh, he had messaged me and he was like, hey, we got a Mesa Wreck in here. And I was like, how much? And he was like, well, it's pretty affordable. Just get over here and get it. I'll hold it off on the side. And ever since when I bought it, I was like, my God, I'm a Mesa Rec owner and all that stuff. Yeah. What type of guitar you got? So I was sponsored by Moniker Guitars, and I was playing Moniker Guitars for the longest (laughs) while, and then they went out of business. So then I was kind of like, well, I could have, you know. He's like, I got 50 guitars out of them, though. (laughs) I don't know how they went out. I don't know. (laughs) Their business model was sound. For the Red Rick Rick album. They sponsored me, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) For the Red Rick album, I ended up using my number one axe is a JA90 Fender Telecaster with P90s installed. And it's actually Jim Atkins. His signature model, as nice. far as how he plays, um, I was always kind of skittish about getting signature model guitars because everybody knows, especially like no, no disrespect to Steve Vai, but you know damn well that Steve Vai does not play all of his signature guitars that are no. on sale right there. No, I think he just puts his signature on. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like he does. when <laughs> Jim Atkins put out, hey, you know what, you know. One thing about Jimmy World is like they are very dedicated to their gear. Jim Atkins plays out of an AC30 and a Les Paul, and he always sticks with that until it was their later album, which was Integrity Blues, that they just went to uh, Fractal, I uh, believe, the Axe Effects. And that's because they wanted light shows and all that stuff controlled out of their guitars and all that stuff. Oh, that's but just badass. For, <laughs> for, for Jim Atkins to leave Les Paul to go to Fender especially with me coming up from, you know, punk rock and stuff like that. It's, you know, when I, when I saw the guitar of punk rock, I always thought Les Paul. Humbuckers, they, right. they're chunky, you know, all that stuff. And then for him to come up and he's like, look at these soap bar, you know, looking pickups on my guitar, and it's a Telecaster. And I'm like, who puts a freaking P90 on a Telecaster? That's genius. Mm-hmm. So I ended up using that for the full recording of... Uh, What's it called? Uh, my uh, for the Redrick album for Drop C, and um, as time went on and we started uh, doing all of our shows and all that stuff, I swapped over to a custom twenty four from PRS uh, with the eighty five fifteens, and then I just recently started playing with an Ernie Ball RS, mm. and it's fighting me. Like I am trying so hard to keep this like the the Stingray uh, RS like part of the band, but it is fighting me and. It wasn't until last night I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I put the the Ernie Ball on, you know, on its rack, and I put the. What PRS problems were you having with it? It's yeah. just re- so I've never played with vintage pickups. Yeah. With all that, you know, with with that being said, vintage pickups <coughs> holds its place in specific, you know, dynamics as far as like, hey, if you're gonna play metal with vintage pickups, well, you're gonna have you, exactly the the the, 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 yeah. the same circumstances. Vintage as as pickups the, are meant for a band that's gonna play Led Zeppelin. Seriously, yeah. I mean, now don't get me wrong, Midzy, beautiful, very beautiful color. Some of the new songs we have are written with the Ernie Ball, <laughs> with the vintage pickups, 
you know, that whole mindset. And but you said PRS. Up. What's your problem with PRS? I have no problem with PRS, oh, but up. I want to retire that guitar and make it my studio guitar. What PRS do you have? The CE24 Custom with the Trampus top, and then on the you turn it over, and it's just the clear coat okay. right there. I don't and, think I have anything I love that much in life where I could just rattle off like the model, like the CR do do do. Yeah, not not me. I have a. He has seven of them. Different oh my ones. god! Did you ever yeah. tour the factory? No, but you know what? Everybody was like, you know what? You play you have that a Starla? Starla? No. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, until you pick up a Starla. Oh my god! You can talk about your Fender all you want, <laughs> but my Starla beats the fuck out of but, any Fender. Bring me any Fender, I will beat the fuck. I out had of my my J ninety. Telecaster sitting on the because I have wall hangers. I had it sitting for the longest yeah. time, and I also have an Epiphone uh, Pro Custom Les Paul because for some reason after 2014, Les Paul and Gibson took a shit. Yeah. Like I don't care who you are, yeah. Gibson took a crap and they were just horrible. Like I had bought a Gibson Les Paul. Yeah, he buried his fucking. Company. Yeah, yeah, it's sad because you you get a seventies. Headstocks were breaking. It was yeah. it was horrible. So I ended up going with Epiphone, and I actually that that's Epiphone sad. going from a fucking. If no, you look at my sad. Facebook uh, page, that white Epiphone, that right. tuxedo white, is actually signed by all of Yellow Card. So, oh wow, nice. Yes. Now that brings up something we didn't get to. So your Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, like what all social media are you guys on? So we are on Instagram, which is a year too late or at a year too late, and we actually have our own website, which is www dot a year too late dot com and our facebook page it's weird because for some reason somebody had a year too late but it's not on the trademark yeah it won't let me tag you for something yeah it wouldn't let me tag you this morning it's www or no sorry that's wrong one it's uh, at a year too late rock so I put rock at the end of it Um, that's where you can follow us and all that stuff but um, but yeah like it's funny because everybody was like for the 17th (laughs) You should go back to what you started with. And what I started with was the GA90. So we're kind of leaving everybody in suspense. But I'm kind of leaning over after last night's practice back to the GA90. So nice. it's just kind of like it just, I don't know, it hits home. And Jim Atkins is a huge hero of mine. So I think I'm going to pay the respects as far as, hey, cool. coming out of the, hi- the hiatus, I'll do that right hey, there. Hey, dude, I see your face late yeah. up talking about this. Yeah. You're making the right decision. You're <laughs> going you go. with your heart. And there you, you go. thought it through and you're, you're committing to it. You, you've got it. But as um, far as that, like when I'm not, when I am being lazy and I have back to back shows, I just program everything into Line Six Helix mm-hmm. and a drop pedal, and I just bring one guitar, and that th- that that thing carries forever. And I didn't get the idea. Helix. Yeah, I didn't nice. get the idea yeah, of doing that, that until um, one um, another guitarist that I'm trying to kind of emulate as well is Ryan Phillips of Story of the Year, the lead guitarist. They just came out with a new album last year, which is called right. Wolves. And the dude shreds like there's no tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? I never saw myself as a shredding guitarist, but you know, if I'm going to do it, I might as well follow his footsteps because it's right. not exactly like super fast, but it's kind of in pace where, you know what? I think I can do this. Coming as a rhythm guitarist, now stepping into the world of lead, it's a whole right. different, you know, it's a different world and all that stuff. And he was like, uh, I was watching one of his interviews, and he was like, "Yeah, I just use the Helix, and I use the Digitech, uh, yeah, Digitech drop pedal if I want to go from you know drop D to you know C sharp." Right. And it just like click, and tried that, and since then, yeah, that thing's phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, I just got nice. the Helix. I spent like 
close to five hundred dollars on it because I got so tired of. I have the HX. Yeah, you got the uh, HX effects. Yeah. I saw that on Facebook. I got, I got. Well, I had so many different pedals, and I had to like configure them for different songs because I play fucking for four hours sometimes. So, I had to configure them sometimes. I'd have to sit down, turn a knob or whatever. Yep. And I was like, I'm so tired of this. So I got that because I was like, I can do six pedals at once, and then I can program different ones. So I can be like, okay, I'm doing, you know, time by Pink Floyd. Here's that setting. I'm doing, you know, whatever this song is, and I have different settings. That's the one reason I got that, and like it might be looked as lazy, but like it's, it's, it's the sets are, the presets simple, are there. Yeah. I don't have to be fucking with knobs anymore. And, and like, and I, I am not an endorsed line six. I am not an endorsed line six. I am not an endorsed line six user. But when it comes to like the to the to the closeness of what they want as far as like an amp or whatever the amp modeling and all that right. stuff, like they they're extremely close and i the amps i would yeah. never use i would never use a line six amp ever again I, in life but the effect yeah. pedal oh yeah yeah, yeah like the spider yeah, everybody yeah. knows that a yeah. spider is crap yeah you know that's Spiders why i'm be not a ran over but, with a fucking truck but like their modelers like it because it was between the floor model and a kemper and kempers, kempers are nice you know, they're, they're really nice fuck, but they're and nice. but I feel like I'm going to get bored after a while. Like, I, I still love the nostalgic of buying an amp head, you know. Right. I, you know, I had bought a 6505 from PV just to give my, just to dip my toe into PV and all that stuff. Because I was always known, like, hey, PV's kind of low grade and all that stuff. But right. PV's kind of stepped their game up a lot, especially with, the, um, like, as far as modern tone, the uh, Insective or whatever mm-hmm. from Misha from uh what was it um i think horizon devices and all that stuff with the modern tone the metal tone like they're stepping their game up as far as like the technology they use and all that stuff so i was like you know what i'm gonna dip and see where i can go but my two favorite amps hamp heads are gonna go from mesa and orange yeah like, I, I love orange to death um it's a great backup and all that stuff. Orange is beautiful. Orange is great, but, I mean, if you're going to be metal or you're going to play, like, even close to, like, that heavy distortion, Orange is great, but, in my opinion, Mesa does the, the trick. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Metallica's used Mesa, Megadeth's used Mesa, I think even Iron Maiden's used Mesa, uh, bands that you listed used Mesa. Mesa's fucking great, and I'm not endorsed by Mesa <coughs> at all. Uh, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but one of the things I'm finding out with Mesa in like any high gain model or or any like or amp or whatever is the higher gain you put in, the little bit more processing it takes for studio work. Because I have my own like I guess you could say my own studio in my own basement and all that stuff. I mean we put a lot of money into it. We put everything we could like, as far as our recording and all that stuff. We do all of our recording ourselves. Nice and all that stuff. And yeah, uh, we're looking nice. at getting, you know, help from others as far as mixing and mastering and all, and all that's concerned. But as far as, like, what we got to do as far as our instruments, we've all been able to right. do so right there. Uh, universal audio interfaces and, you know, going down that route, isotope plugins and all right. that. So, we, I mean, we can go on and on and on. But as far as, like, what we, what our gear is used towards, like, mine is primarily, I, lo- I will hands down Mesa, 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 Mesa. And oh, you can up. check out all of this wonderful equipment, December fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, at Toys for Tots. I want to get to something though, Gannon. Go for it. All right, cool. So I got a little story for you. You mind if I ask you? Go a for story? it. Go all for right, it. Okay. I want to do it. Yeah. 
thank you. <laughs> Permission granted. Go for awesome. it. We're going to do story times. So yes. <laughs> we're going to read some stories off the internet and have some fun, laugh about them, and be silly. All right. So I got to find it real quick. Shouldn't take me long. Because it was, like, recently posted by me. I'm sure you know what? We're going to take a break real quick. Back to Charm City Music Cast with a year too late for the Toys for Tots benefit concert that's going on Saturday, December 15th. All you have to do is get in touch with Bootleggers and Baptists, Old Bay Thrashers, A Year Too Late, The Stifled, Snow Villain on Facebook and tell me you want to buy a ticket. Tickets are $10, bring a toy, and uh, come see some bands. But before we go into story time, I do have one last question I want to ask. And 
the song we're going to close this podcast up with after story time, you said was your band's first song and it's something real. Tell us a little bit about that song and what it means to you. Give us some of the lyrics and, and just so kind of something define it. real. When we wrote that, we actually wrote the instrumental parts for that first. And, um, at this part, at this point of, um, a year too late's career, we kind of had a lot of instrumental stuff out right now. And, um, like I'm looking through my lyrics right now, we have two songs that we wrote with only one, which was Running Out of Air and, um, what was it, uh, In Memory Of. Well, Something Real, we wanted to start off with, like, you know, it, it was, prior to that, we had a couple rough years, all of us, as far as, like, going into the band and all that stuff and it was kind of like a reminder of like you know what you know despite all the bad that's going on in the world like there's something in there that you know that's real that's you know that you can hold on to to keep you going through it all you know whether it's friendship love you know monetary you know where gains or whatever you want whatever was important to you at that time you know that's what we felt was real and when we when I wrote, I actually believe it or not, just a shout out to Flying Jacob. Um, I heard one of their songs, and it kind of just started the gears up as far as like writing something real. And uh, I heard one of uh, their first guitarists, I believe, was Josh, and um, he had written a riff. And I was like, you know what, that sounds really good. I'm like, let me try something as far as like what um for the rhythm section as far as a riff using two chords and stuff like that and once i got that in there we tyler had written a bunch of you know one string you know kind of dingers here and there and um put it put it all together the complexity of the drums from gabe on that one uh just brought it to life and i wrote the bass line for it and, and um cliff was able to play it in no time and uh, the song as a whole came together, and it, it kind of set the tone as to how we're going to write the the rest of the album and all that stuff. Now, if you listen to if you were if you had the opportunity to listen to Redrick, Redrick was all over the place. Like it was like you had pop punk here, you had kind of like a whole country feel here, and then all of a sudden you have one metal song right here. It was like, like where did this come from and all right. that? You know, we're still kind of in that mode, like we don't want to kind of solidify ourselves as just one genre and kind of have a certain dynamic because everybody's doing that. You right. listen to every, every band, all the songs fit together in that album, but to experiment with different genres, different stylistics of playing guitar, drums, you know, different ways of playing, like that's kind of where we set the tone with something real. It's like, look, this is what all we have to give. And, you know, right. You know, and that's amazing for a first real, song, yeah. too. Like you said, that's your within, first song. That yeah. song caught me in 15 seconds. Right. Like, like, I hadn't heard anything else from them yet when I had heard that specific song in 15 seconds. You just knew. I was fucking, it was great. And I, was, I think I even led by it when I hit them up. I was like, this song's great. Like, yeah. Uh, and that's, like, most important, for, like, in my opinion, most important thing in the world is to grab someone within the first 30 fucking seconds. My, my, when I was going to school with Ben, I was told it. When I was, uh, my father growing up, my father told me, he's like, if you ever want to be a musician, 
your first 30 seconds of every song you ever do has to grab that person's attention or they're not going to give a shit and they're not going to give you a time of day. Right. And, you know, I took, like, a lot of personal stories as far as what I was what I was going through, what other people were going through, um, people that were surrounded by me as far as, you know, that, and I put it all into one. Um, and they kind of used it as a motivational tool to kind of set the tone for, you know what, we can come back and lean back on this song kind of thing if we ever lose our way. But as the album went on, it just bloomed as far as like something real was huge right. you know when it first came out and then james knight um but the song the one of the other songs that i had sent you guys was yesterday which was my first acoustic debut with adding orchestra and violins and stuff like that i'm a huge fan of violins i am too and i mean yellow card yeah <laughs> that's the best way to put it you know and the song yesterday was about a friend that started a band with me and it had passed away of cancer. So no. that was, you know, kind of his way of, you know, my way of saying, you know, goodbye to that chapter of my life. And as the, you know, as the album progressed, the last song ending was just my full force. This is an orchestra. I'm going to throw right. you guys right here. So that's why I'm bringing it in revival. So those of you guys that have been sticking with us, you know, be on the lookout for revival. This is, we're taking some of the songs from Red Rick and we're bringing our new, you know, new set with us and, we're going to set, you know, a whole new horizon as far as what our band is all about. You know, the whole new lineup, you know, a lot of people have kind of been iffy about, you know, hey, it's a new lineup. It's like, right. are you guys going to carry that same sound, you know? And so far it's been, it's been, it's been good. And right. these guys have been melding pretty well. And so far, November 17th at the Green Door, you guys can be the judge for yourselves. And it's, it's been, it's been a, a, a great experience as far as working with these guys and couldn't be happier right now. Right. Nice. Yeah. All right. All right. You got your story ready? Yeah. Cause he's a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw this one. I actually, he, he likes good amount of stuff that I post like this, but surprised he didn't. I don't know if you saw this one. <clears throat> so Xbox rage sends game player 30 years old on a shooting spree and neighbor's home struck report. Oh I'm sorry, are these supposed to be, like, funny? And what game was this that did it? <laughs> so, here's my thing. And, oh, we can make it funny. Uh, uh, here, so, <laughs> you just wait. You'll so, see. It'll get funny. So, here's my thing. I personally am a gamer. I play a game called Seven Days to Die. And when you play online in Seven Days to Die, the, basically the point of this game is to... Uh, it's the kind of well, yeah. But every seven days, this harvest of zombies comes after you, and you're supposed to kind of build defenses so you don't right. die. But at the same time, it's kind of like um, what's that uh, gamer? Damn it, my kid plays it. Minecraft. Okay, so it's like Minecraft with zombies because you have to like build and cat and and like gather stuff and you know there's like farming involved, a bunch of other shit involved in the game. But like when you play online, the you if you die you lose like you lose everything in that point so like there's a giant map so your like home base could be like literally it could take you like another 20 minutes to get to where you just dropped everything and like i was talking to you early on the phone right. and you heard me like no 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 like and i'm like fuck there's two dogs coming after me and i like lost everything and i was like 25 minutes from my home base 
And I even took my controller and was like, motherfucker. And this is the game this guy. <laughs> oh, I've known yeah. that anger. This guy was No, playing. this wasn't this game, but this was shared on that game site because online, even when you build bases sometimes, we have something we call MD5. Um, and, like, what happens is you can build a base and, like, half your shit will be gone. Like, one day, like, you'll right. start your game up, you'll go online, you're playing your game, you've built this entire, like, fucking defense thing. It might have taken you, like, two months to build. And you start it up, and half of it's been Why? taken Somebody, away like, by the it? fucking video game. Like, half of it's taken the fuck away. So that's and, just and part then, of the game. That's just yeah, part. And that's just part of the game, to fuck with you. And, like, people will lose their shit. Like, there's people who, like, on this on this thing. What makes that game attractive to you to play, then? It's, like, it's so it's, challenging. It'd be like, like if you buy a I, car. I had a base that and, took me six months to build. I had tunnels going... And all my tunnels were gone one day when I turned on the game. And you think all this is my fun. Tunnels. This is what you do Even for quote-unquote fun. This is fun to you. No, this is what takes my fucking brain away from life. Like, I'm, like, in focus like, on that. Like I'm, like, this like, I'm like, yeah, there's, there's certain level of tears with video games. Yeah. Jolene right here has witnessed some breakdowns. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. But like, I mean, like, I would, love... you, would you, like, Jolene, unload you feel safe with him? Gun, no. Like, because you're mad? Blink <laughs> like, twice. I, you know what? Now I know why she's not talking. You know, <laughs> yeah. Prayer, yeah. prayers go out to the her. families. <laughs> prayers go out to the families that have lost, you know, due to mass shootings and all that stuff. Because... This is not the only game. I mean, there was a Madden challenge yeah. not yeah. too long yeah. and ago. And the guy, like, took just, people's like, fucking yeah. lives. But it's... A lot of people but can't wasn't that, there was, was there political motivation behind that, or was that just... No, uh, the was, guy was, was playing... Uh, he was a Ravens it's, fan, it's, too, wasn't he? Um, I, I oh, think Ravens he was. Fan. I think he was. probably a white guy, too. <laughs> if I remember um, reading the article. This guy's white. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, uh, like I said, like, there's different levels of tears that, like... That I involve myself in as far as, like, getting mad. One of those is sports games. Right. I'm a huge sports games fanatic and all that stuff. When yeah, it comes playing, to uh, when it comes to challenging sports. stuff, okay? Uh, Jillian here, she's lost her crap, too. I've seen her cuss at the screen as well, too. Oh, wow. Um, she she does, she's, she's been the... Yeah, you're more than welcome to. She's... Jump on it. She's sitting she's there, like, said, all yeah, proper and yeah, cute. She's... But, like, you earlier, like, she reamed this person out. She yeah. loses her shit on video games. <laughs> she's like, I plead the fifth. <laughs> the quiet like, ones are the ones you want to be the Like, I've seen most. her, like, MLB The Show. It's a baseball game, you know. If you can't get your pitches right or you're not hitting anything, eventually you're going to lose your shit. Like, there's no doubt What's about the worst it. thing you've seen her do or say? I've seen her cuss at the screen due to a baseball game. All of a sudden, like, every pitch she was throwing, I'm the click, home run, click, home run, click, home run. And then it got to a point to where my – everybody knows in baseball, if you have a pitcher that hits a home run, that's pretty – that's a huge thing. Well, Kershaw comes up to the plate. And she's on, like, one of her dynamic closers. And she's like, yeah, I'm kind of out of pitchers at this point. And there goes, like, his best pitch, Kershaw, clock. And it goes out, looks foul ball, and it goes out of the freaking, it goes Kershaw. Right. A pitcher hits a home run. She lost her shit. She threw the controller? She didn't throw the controller. That's usually my job. I'll throw the controller. Like, feet, do you get scared yeah. when she, like, goes off like that? No, or it, I think it's hilarious like, oh, because... I got this. I think it's... I just ho- laugh at her. 
Because she's mellow. Because most of the time when she plays, she's really mellow and she just kind of stares at the screen. Well, that sounds like when she's winning. Yeah, but like most of the time, like she'll stare at me and she's like, "It's just a game. It's just a game. It's just a game." She says that to you when you're losing, right? She's like, "It's just a game. I don't understand why you're so upset." Yeah, but like when I'm like FIFA. There's no game that'll get my blood boiling except FIFA. I feel like that game cheats a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting there just running. All of yep. a sudden, this person touches me. My guy dies in the game. Like I don't even yeah. think that that's possible. And then I get the red card, and I'm like, my guy just died. Like what the fuck? Like, and she's like, well, I'm not arguing that. I'm like, how can you not argue that? Like my guy's dead. And got a red card on my... I got the penalty, not you. You're still standing, you know? And she's like, well, it's just the game. Suck it up, Buttercup. I don't care who you are as a gamer. If somebody says it's just the game... I fuck you. Yeah, that's more fuel to, like, get a... Is that what Something Real's really about? (laughs) You're like, finally, you're like, man, these video games are pissing me off. Yeah, that's what James Knight is really about. in In that article about that, like... What what did it say? Like is he like he legitimately uh, was just so, like fuck? I just like, died in this game. game I'm gonna it? go. It doesn't kill. tell you what fucking game. Oh, it is. that's, that's so the dubious. thing that pissed me off. What's the games? Uh, but he goes. <clears throat> a Tennessee man was arrested Wednesday after he flew into a rage over an Xbox video game and fired over a dozen rounds. Two different handguns. So oh, he was doing he one, and he goes, "That wasn't enough." And he grabs another one. I like to picture that he's dual wielding. Yeah, while and he's, he's, doing he's it. yeah, like the Boondock Saints, yeah. like the <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. into his bedroom ceiling. <laughs> um, but what is Casey Jones? Oh, so he <laughs> fired the gun. Through Guy's his... name's Casey Jones. That's hilarious. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtle, yeah, yeah. Is 30 years old, had been playing on his Microsoft Xbox when he suddenly reached a breaking Xbox point, we know that. screaming at the game and smashing his console with his fist. So I feel like he was playing oh, Seven Days rage. to Die, and he lost all of his yeah. tunnels that took him six months to build, because oh, yeah. it took everything in my life. Like, Amy's sitting there yeah. looking at me. She sees my face going red. And she's just like, oh, my God. And I'm like, and she's like, baby girl's right there. And I'm like... Like, go out and smoke. Go out and smoke a cigarette. I'm like, I'm about to go out and beat the fuck out of something. Like, God <laughs> fucking. And as far as video games and stuff like that, like you got sports games that'll get anybody to rage. But yeah. right now, I'm kind of playing this game called Red Dead Redemption Two. So yeah. I know all you fans out there can relate. And stop saying I'm wearing a cowboy hat. I have the stupidest horse on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Like my anybody that anybody that knows this game realizes, like you know what, your horse only works with you as as much as you work with it. I work with this fucking thing all the fucking time. This dude's ended up on the roof. While I freaking like while I'm over here in a gunfight, I'm like, what are you doing on the roof? Like, like what are you doing? I'm safe, motherfucker. What are you doing down there? This guy. Like, that horse is like, I'm, I'm, I'm in this game with the dumbest fucking human in the yeah. world. He's in a gunfight. Yeah. Hide, motherfucker. <laughs> I've yelled at my horse so many times, and I named it after my dog, but my dog is not oh, dumb. My dog is not dumb. I don't get it. And I'm like, look at this horse is going to be my best friend. You know, you, right. every guy gets attached to an animal in a movie and anything. Right. Like, you know, I don't care who you are. You know, you'd rather see another person die than a dog. You know, right. is that the you can hunt in that game, right? Yeah. yeah. Somebody was telling me, I forget who it was. Somebody was you telling even me pet the dogs in that. Somebody was telling me that they had tracked. They watched a video of this guy who tracked this elk 
this grand elk or something for like two hours. Oh, the, the white game. horse, and then a moose killed it. Yeah, and then a moose. Yeah. yeah, a moose came out and like the, as soon as he was getting ready to like get it, like yeah. a moose came out and just I think killed him. There was one part in the game where I was like hunting a bear. And I went up to chase this bear, and this bear ran after me. So I was right. like, you know what? I'm not fast enough. But I got if I got on my horse, I'd be faster. And I turned around <laughs> to look at my horse. It is bolted. It's <laughs> it was like, screw you. It dude. is gone. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? God. Are you serious? <laughs> See you, dude. Now. The motherfuckers that I come by. My horse. Bear. Bear. Now, in this game, in this game, that's your like horse. Smart horse. <laughs> yeah, I know. In this you're, game. You're really not selling this yeah, idea that this no, horse no. is dumb. <laughs> Avoids conflict. Yeah, he gets the high ground. Yeah. He runs from bears. <laughs> and it was weird because, like, there's this thing called dead eye where you slow-mo, you know, time and yeah, then you start the shooting. Yeah, that's pain time. Yeah. yeah, and I look, and I'm in the corner of my eye, I'm like, what is my horse doing on the roof of that fucking pub? <laughs> I'm like, what? And I was so boom, slow dead. And you that's know? the other thing. This fucking horse was smart enough to get on a roof, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, I got the glitter. Yeah. It's like, everybody's got gang glitches. I got the one where my horse is smart, or I can, I'm just, it just, I've been killed by this horse so many times. Now, you, now, yes, you can, that's the horse, the horse is living. Yeah. It's like, here, take this guy. So, like, your horse, your horse can die. Yeah. Your horse can die in this game, and but not this one. It hasn't died. So, I have to add here, there's times when Chris starts cussing at his horse, and the horse's name, as he said, is the same as our German Shepherd, Ryder. So when he starts cussing at the screen, our dog will all of a sudden go and grab a toy and, like, jump up and drop toys in front of Chris. Like, Dad, Dad, here, here's a toy. I don't know what I did wrong. Like, here's a toy. And Chris is just, like, cussing at the screen. Like, He's like, God damn it, Ryder! And the dog's like, what did I do? You're giving that dog a complex. Do you want a different toy? I don't understand. Like, what am I doing? Why are you so angry with me? Get off the roof. Like, but uh, if there's, I'm not on the roof. I'm in the living room. You're just, you're just gaslighting your dog. <laughs> and I, I, you know what? And it's part of it's part of the the video game thing and all that stuff. But like this horse is gonna last through. Like it's out. I've died probably. I'm on probably at twenty something deaths. Can you already. know how many times your horse dies? None. He said none. none. This horse is none at all. That horse. Well, you need to start following the horse. It is the horse wild. calls him Meat yeah. Shield. That's what the horse calls yeah. him. I've even set this horse out to try to like use his bait. Like, for, <laughs> and this thing's like, uh, no, like. <laughs> Because there's this part where you can hit it in the butt and it fucking runs off. He just hit it in the butt and he's like, kick. And it kicks me. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I'm having bad luck. That Everybody's like, every, like, poor horse. That horse Jack, is going to Rick Grimes Yeah, exactly. Gonna, you're going to get Oh, my God, Rick. Rick. <laughs> well, I, right. I think maybe the, the makers of the game are just controlling it and just singled you out. Yeah. To fuck with your life. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put this in the game later, but we just want to try it on this. This one person. But, yeah, Casey Jones, 30, playing the game. Unloads two guns, um, screaming at the game, smashing the console. Jones then went up to his bedroom. Oh, so he left the room. So he's got two guns where he was. He unloads them. He goes up to his room, to his nightstand, picks up a Springfield XDS handgun, and fires more several rounds into the ceiling. 
and proceeds to grab a second handgun. So he grabs another one. We got to know what this game so is. So this is um, like four guns now. <laughs> this like... game presented, <laughs> prevented a mass shooting. Yeah. Like, you realize this yeah, guy yeah. was going to go off at any yeah. point. This game That's... set him off yeah. and... Yeah, so one of the rounds goes and hits the neighbor's house. Yeah. And that's when the, co- the, the cops are caught. So I'm like, I'm just saying, like, how close are your neighbors with this, this horse? Like, do you, do you, um, do you, <laughs> I don't know, man. But I mean, there's, like, uh, trust me, like, I used to go through controllers like there were no tomorrow. And it was always with sports games. Like, yep. for some reason, like, NBA 2K, like I used to. Were you to playing shoot, as the Ravens? Shoot, shoot. I have never played as a Baltimore. You know, <laughs> the only Baltimore um, player we've been able to accept was Manny Machado because he went to the Dodgers. Okay, <laughs> but you sound like you have like a like a healthy like yeah, anger, not like her, like the unhealthy anger. Oh no, no, <laughs> I've, I've I've lost my shit. Like there's no tomorrow. Like I've like legitimately. I'm not gonna say. Have you, you know, broke I'm just gonna say it out broken loud. Broken controllers. I've broken controllers, and I've sh- like if there's times where like, like especially with Jolene, <laughs> if she's winning and all that stuff, I'll go up and just shut the Xbox off. Oh, oh, it's fucking done. It's done. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. But yeah, enjoy her oh. win. No. Oh, it's hard yeah. to. It, okay, it's time out. Time out. This time is happening. Wow. <laughs> but it's it's kind of hard to enjoy when she's just in there like. Strike out, strike out. And these are all change-ups. I'm like, boom. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I can't swing for shit. And like, I think my farthest hit was probably to the pitcher. And I who's was the, like, the, who's the bigger shit talker when you guys are playing each other, you or her? I am. Definitely. Do you have like a go-to? Yeah. But like, I, but, I even. But I, in his defense, when I start realizing I'm winning, I'm really bad with shit talking. Yeah, she doesn't. She I'm, does. I she's quiet until she's up by three. Yeah, yeah I'm quiet. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, another change up. You can't fucking hit it. Oh my god. Have yeah. you guys <laughs> ever like? Have you ever like the next like day? Like held resentment after like somebody shit talked too much. Fuck yeah! yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Fuck He's yeah. like, actually, we go to therapy on a weekly basis yeah. just for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know, but it, it's fun. Like I used to have all these get-togethers and all that stuff. You know, Halo nights, Call of Duty, and all that stuff. You know, get oh, everybody man, together, put a bunch of TVs right. in the living room, and all that stuff, just to kind of get some off time and all that. And you know, there's always one person that's. Uh, he used to be part of, like, our sound tech and all that stuff. But, like, this dude, Blake, oh, my God. That was then. He no. would lose his crap over everything. This dude was, like, Chris Farley reincarnated. Oh, like, wow. Like, this dude lost his shit over anything. And he believed that there was a conspiracy where the games were going against him and his last four. Like, <laughs> There's a conspiracy with yeah. two fucking guys, dogs in seven you, days to die. Do you guys remember, I think it was Metal Gear Solid 2. Yes. At the end of that game when you beat it. Like, it tells you, like, you're in a simulation, turn off, turn off the console. Yeah. yeah. And I remember playing that, and I stayed, I came out, I stayed up for three days, two or three days straight just playing that game. I had off work, was playing, to the point where I hadn't slept, I, oh, you know, no. eaten what I yeah. could, and it's like talking, the TV's talking to you, it's like, Turn off the console. This is not a game. If you want to complete this quest, you need to stop the simulation, and you're like, I fucking turned it off. You turn it off, you didn't win. You lost the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. It was a giant mind. But yeah. it would keep you in this scenario. It was like a timer, like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You had to go with it talking to you yep. and not turn it off. It 
fuck yeah, with your it head. Because it went off the first Metal Gear Solid where the like psycho... Memory card too? I don't know I, any of those people who followed Metal Gear Solid, but I'm a huge fan of Metal Gear Solid and Resident Evil. Um, Metal Gear Solid, the first one was like, in order to beat the boss, you had to take your controller out and put it in the slot mm-hmm. too, so he didn't read your mind. Right. Because if not... And even if you have, like, Konami games saved on your memory yeah, card, your memory card. Uh-huh. it freaked and the like, fuck out of me. He's like, you played Castlevania? And I'm like, Yeah, it would say shit. But you never read it. It's like, yeah. it's like the original video game shit talking to you. I about shit a brick. I was a kid at that point. So, I was like, what the fuck? Like, how does he know this? Yeah. I think I'll just delete this high score. Uh, like, all right, so, all right, I'm going to go around the table. So you're the neighbor of this guy who just unloaded four weapons. Call the house. police. I don't know. Are you calling the cops? Are you coming over? I don't know. I oh mean, God. first instinct Dude, is... just give me your Xbox, man. First instinct <laughs> would be, I mean, everybody would have to call the cops. Yeah, I that think point. that's the yeah. first thing you do in that instance. Like, there's you don't no. know it's the game. I mean, yeah. do you have sympathy, though, for the guy who unloads Like, if this were hit the game he plays, his horse is already <laughs> fucking gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going gone. to get the cops. It's like, where the fuck is Ryder? This guy sounds gone. Yeah. This one over here. Knowing Jolene, she's like, it's just the game. <laughs> She's fired yeah, back. It's just a game, motherfucker. <laughs> but come over here and I'll kick your ass at some. <laughs> but for some people, it's reality like that, man. But like, I've I've lost my shit on a lot of games. But I would never like, you know what? I'm gonna go pull out my. You AR-15. See, in order for me to go that ape shit, you'd have to hurt like somebody I love or my family yeah. or my kids. Like that's that's uh, no. the limit. You Imagine know? you build. For six months, dude, I played four <laughs> hours every other day. Just dig some tunnels in your backyard, Building dude. Digging <laughs> tunnels in this video game that went from each of like the major shop areas where I could loot the most because the loot like regenerates itself. And I had all these perfectly land up because these fucking dogs, they just come out of nowhere. And then you have these T-virus little motherfuckers, too, that fuck with you. So I'm like, I got the perfect way of getting the loot so I can go get this and do this. Turn on the video game one day, and I'm like, where's my tunnel? And Amy's sitting next to me. I'm just like, where's my tunnel? But you like, know going into this shit, this stuff's going <laughs> to happen, and you still sign up for it. Yeah, especially with games like that. Sometimes well, like, I hey, had to get a new video. I mean, just, like, wipe the game. Yeah. Memory. Like, why? I don't think there's, like, any, there's any reason to pull out a gun ever no. in a video game. No. You know. Well, I mean, in the video now, if, in the now, video game, there's about yeah. a million reasons. I mean, dude. I'm probably gonna well, kill that fucking horse. Now, but. if I got now, now, if I like, if me and Joe were playing a video game and she has a kid that's laying on the ground and I'm losing, instead of taking or turning off my. Uh, you know, the PS4, I go and punt her baby, then by all means, you better pull out a shotgun and shoot because I just right. punted your baby, you know? But, like, that's the only time, like, I could ever see that. But even then, that's like, like, what the fuck? Just call the police or something, you But, know? dude, if a video but, game's like, gonna do that to somebody where they go get their fucking gun, yeah. they're yeah, that far point, away yeah. from doing it to a yeah, person. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah, that's you, your point. Can you ban yeah. someone like, from going yeah. into a GameStop at that point? Can, like... I mean, yeah, that's going to be a question. That's going to be a question when people go to buy a gun. Do you play video games? Yeah, yeah. Anybody that says yes, nope. There you go. Well, we call it Negan in Seven Days to Die. Is what we call it, Negan. <laughs> I never watched that fucking show, but like now, that's like after show. it's happened to me a couple Kinda times. Kind of sad to see Rick Grimes yeah. go, though. Yeah, Mr. Grimes. Yes. Well, that, but they, from what I understand, I saw where the bit bridge blew up and it looked like he died. Apparently, something with the helicopter came and took him. So, yeah, like, yeah, dead. he's not dead. Well, spoilers. So, I'm on yeah, spoilers. Well, that no, I'm on well. season two. What? what? 
<laughs> no, because half the Did people they leave listening the to this podcast be like, what the fuck's The Walking Dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but no, I just it, can't it, wait to see what's in that barn. But he's supposed to have a three movie like trilogy, so and then oh, they're making so they are trilogy? doing movies. Yeah, brilliant. They Wait, are gonna they're do making movies. a movie out of this fucking yeah. television. Oh man, it's pretty yeah. huge. Well, yeah. yeah, the game's loosely based off of the the show because like my my stepson's father watches the show like religiously or whatever, and he was watching me play the video game. And he goes, "Oh, that's like this and that's like that," and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" He's like, "Walking Dead." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't watch that shit." Expectations I always fall short and always I forgive I'm still surprised to find you at my doorway. Yeah. 